Direct auto insurance is for uncompromisers, the people who refuse to make trade-offs in life. They're the ones who proudly say no to living on someone else's terms and schedule. And when it comes to insurance, they find the savings they need to keep driving. And with savings of up to $1,044 per year when you switch to Direct Auto, you too can stop compromising and keep driving. Get a free quote today at directauto.com or find a store near you. Data from August 2021, new customer survey. Savings of any vary. How you buy can affect price. National General Group, Winston-Salem. Process, because that's what we do. Don't forget, May 19th through 21st, we have the SOR Vegas Party, number two. And we want all of you there. It's looking like we are going to be going back to the Golden Nugget on the old strip. I'm just waiting for a couple of confirmation emails on that to get the deal done. And then we will be back having fun and talking some weird, weird stuff all night, all day, and all evening in Vegas once again. And I hope you guys could join us once again in Vegas. Obi Flett, I know, will be there because he was last time. And he had a good time with us. And we are going to continue on here talking some UFOs tonight. Don't forget, the store is open. Go to spacedoutradio.com. Grab yourself some swag. And if you haven't already, give us a thumbs up. If you're new here, hit subscribe. We'd greatly appreciate it. Leave a comment after the show. And we got about 30 seconds here before we're about to launch. Mr. Catfish, how you doing tonight? Good to see you. And uh, what else can we say? What else can we say? I'm looking forward to tonight because you know I love my UFOs. Yeah. Let's get into it, shall we? Hey, Bill WD40, looking gorgeous over on Spreaker tonight. River Dogma, good to see you, my friend. And for the rest of you, let's do this thing. Horns up. Let's rock. of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. We got a great show coming for you tonight. A couple of Canadian UAP broadcasters from the UAP Studies podcast, Jason Gilmet and Louis Borges, are here. We're going to break it all down. Then in hour number three, we're going to head to the swamp, where Swamp Dweller has another spooky story for us. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio is here, and we got Dave 101 and Shirky Poo's News. All right, let's get right to it tonight. Jason Gilmet and Louis Borges love talking UFOs. The UAP Studies podcast has connected with many of the top names in ufology. 
Jason is a researcher, investigator in the province of British Columbia, co-host of UAP studies, as well as an investigator for MUFON Canada. His interest in UFOs, because we don't say UAPs around here, we're old school. It started when he and his brother experienced a close encounter in 1994 when he and his brother were just 13 years old. Jason started investigating with MUFON Canada in 2019, still is there as well. Louis Borges is a UFO researcher, speaker, and enthusiast. He brings a science mind to his research and has interviewed some of the biggest names in the field. He joined UAP Studies in 2022 as a co-host as well as marketing director for the program. Let's bring these fine gents on. The sad part is they didn't even tell me they were dressing up for this and I look like I'm ready for bed they're all ready to hit the clubs but you know what we're still going to talk some UFOs here Jason it's been a while since we had you on thank you for coming on in and Louie your first time here on Spaced Out Radio good to have you here as well gentlemen let's rock this how's it going Jason it's going really good thank you for uh, having us back on this is awesome it's been a while since we chatted it has been. It has been. And and you know what? I took a couple of weeks off. I had never taken time off this show in seven and a half years. I mean, it, one thing to take a Friday or a Thursday because you're traveling to a conference, but never, ever taking a break, man. And I'll tell you, uh, it, it's done wonders. I can tell you that. It's done wonders. You look good. Oh, you know, hey, yeah, I'm in my pajamas here. You guys are all uh, ready to go to the keg for a steak and a lobster and then maybe a couple of drinks downtown at the Roxy. I could I could feel it. I could feel right it. Right afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't <laughs> surprise me. Doesn't surprise me at all. Louie, nice to meet you finally and welcome to Spaced Out Radio. Thank you, brother. Appreciate the invite. I know I've been super excited, uh, proudly Canadian as you are as well, and I'm sure many of your listeners, so... Uh, anytime we can chat UAF, uh, UFOs, sorry, I was going to say UAP. I don't want to get on your bad side before we even get out the gate here. So any night we can chat UFOs, especially with my good buddy, Jason. It's a good night. So excited. Well, we're going to get into it tonight because there's a lot of news going on in and around. I mean, a lot of people will say we're kind of in a dead zone right now for UFOs. And there seems to be a lot of things happening, but it's all behind the scenes and no one is going public. But first, before we get into that in a little bit here, Jason, let's learn a little bit about you and Louie, because you guys run a great podcast called UAP Studies that you started just a couple of years ago, and it's really taken off. I'm a big fan of it. I'm a subscriber to it, and I listen all the time. And you guys just do a bang-up job in trying to get to the heart of ufology, like we all are. We're all searching for our own answers. But Jason, let's go back to 1994, this close encounter you had with your brother. What happened there? Well, we were coming back home from a friend's house. I couldn't tell you the friend in question, but uh, when we were nearing our home, uh, there was a dark section where a um, it's a skating arena, uh, skating rink uh and it was not lit up but there, there was some lamp uh basically some light posts uh nearby all of a sudden we get hit with this really intense red light uh, i was being doubled on the bike uh we used to do that back in the day when we only had one bike and you know a set of twins so you make do right uh and as uh, we're riding along we get hit with this intense red light and all the, the rocks around us, all the, the hairs on my arm, everything lit up red. And it was really intense. So I looked up to see if it was one of the lampposts that uh, had a transformer, maybe it blue. And it wasn't that. I just kept looking up. And about 80 feet above our heads was this cigar-shaped craft 
with this light, this red light that was just perfectly cut. There was no bleeding to the side of this light. Uh, and it just flew silently above us and then just kept going. And above a row of houses made a few degrees turn and then continued over the row of uh, of trees and disappeared out of sight. But we never saw it coming. Mostly, you know, I would listen to episodes of Unsolved Mysteries and people like, you know, you would see it coming from miles away and then all of a sudden it was right here. We never saw it coming. It just hit us from behind. And uh, since that day, I've been absolutely adamant that uh, these things are real and what people are reporting is actually true, that uh, I've had an experience and I can say for myself that, yeah, these things are these things are here. And you know what? Having that encounter, I mean, going back to you and your brother experiencing this, how far away from home were you when this encounter occurred? I could see the house. I could. Uh, we were maybe 200 feet away from our house where we were living at that time. So it just basically just flew over like almost like it knew our direction. It knew our path that we were walking on and it just followed it and then just veered off. And uh, it followed the row of houses. Like, like it was, there was some intent there. It wasn't just a meteor. Uh, there was some movement, uh, some intelligent, uh, you know, design behind that. It was I, crazy. I got to ask you, did you have any missing time? Do you know what? I, I don't recall. I don't think so. I think that uh, it would just flew above us and, you know, uh, whatever light was there, uh, you know, radiated on us. But there's no missing time. I don't remember our parents being mad that we got home late or anything like that. But what's weird is that we came home. We never talked to my parents about it. We just went to bed and we just never talked about it for years. And then all of a sudden I mentioned it to my twin brother one time. I'm like, Oh, I think it was with a friend and we saw this craft and he's like, it was me, you idiot. And I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) I was wrong. Um, You know, what's weird about that, Jason is so many people have that exact same thing happen where you just go into this dead zone about an encounter. I can tell you one that me and Mrs. SOR had. And my audience has heard this. I'll let you guys know, though, and our audience who's tuned in and maybe not heard this story. I once, a couple of summers ago, fell asleep. I usually sleep with a T-shirt on, but it was one of those nights where it was really hot, and I went shirtless. And trust me, it's not pretty. It's not pretty at all (laughs) when, when you do that, you know. And I woke up in the morning. And I go to the sink and I'm, you know, kind of throwing some water on my face, brushing my teeth. You know, it was a weekend morning and the Mrs. SOR says to me, she goes, what are those scratches on your back? And I had two four inch long stutter step scratches, bright red on my back, about an, about an inch and a half apart. And I turned to look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, I have no idea. I said, did the, one of the cats get me? I said, I don't recall. I would have screamed. Like, these were, they were bright, bright red. I said, I got to take a picture of that. This is weird. So the next thing I do, I walk over to the toilet because, you know, got to relieve myself from a night of sleep. Uh, the missus goes into the kitchen and starts making breakfast for us. Four hours later, I remember about the scratches go back into my bedroom, take my shirt off, look at my shirt or look on in the mirror and the scratches are gone. No scarring, no nothing. The scratches are gone. I call my partner in and I said, 
take a look. She goes, look at what? I said, my back, the scratches this morning. She goes, oh yeah, they're gone. Weird. And then turns and leaves. Like it was just exact reaction like you had with your brother. And so many people have had that. It trips me out, man. It's, 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 I wouldn't say it's a disconnect. It's just that you don't make a big deal out of something that you should be completely having a big deal about. I mean, if you just had some weird craft above your head, 80 feet above your head, shining a light on you, that's a pretty big deal. And yet we didn't tell my parents at the time. Like I didn't tell them till I was an adult. I didn't really, I mean, I told everybody at school, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and I've told the story many times throughout my life, but yeah, for some reason, just within the family, we never really talked about it till uh, later on. Well, let's bring Louie in here. Louie, thank you so much. This is your first time on Spaced Out Radio. We appreciate always when we have newcomers coming on in and telling their interest. How did you get started in the UFO world? What piqued your interest? Well, I've always been a, a science-minded guy, so I would always geek out about, you know, the possibility of aliens and stuff like that. So I, I was never a non-believer, but I've had some weird experiences in life. Uh, I, I haven't seen a craft or little green men, but I've had some unexplained type phenomenon, some almost poltergeist-ish. So if stuff like that is possible, then in my mind, well, then, hey, I have to take a look at everything because, you know, one of them alone is enough to make them all kind of so... For me, uh, especially with the show, I've always been an enthusiast, but I've always kind of been a, a soul enthusiast. I didn't really have a close friend that I would converse about this stuff. And usually people were asking me things. I didn't really have anyone to chew the fat with mentally. And then Jason and I met and started working together and became friends. And, you know, after weeks of conversation, he invited me on as a guest. And uh, the conversation was just natural and fluid, not scripted. And then he asked if I'd co-host the show. So... I've always had a healthy interest in the phenomenon. And now, I, it, rather than, you know, going to a library and reading books like I did when I was a kid, we get to chat with some of the biggest names in the field and they're frontline people and we get to ask them direct. So, um, yeah, we went from watching shows to having a show and we went from needing guests to now becoming guests ourselves on great programming like yours and others, right? So, well, I have a little bit surreal. I have to tell uh, this story because I think it's hilarious because I'm not going to say what you guys do for a living. That's irrelevant to the conversation. We're all allowed our private lives. But for our audience, Louie is actually Jason's boss during the day. And then at podcast time, Jason is Louie's boss during the radio show and podcast. No, I'm, you know, no, no, we're, we're even, it's 50, 50, absolutely 50, 50 for sure. Jason as a single guy had his hands full with a lot of things and there's a lot more that would have been required. So I simply came on and added in areas that he wasn't already full and, you know, like brought us to more platforms, things like that, marketing ideas, advertising. And so it's about increasing the audience, but, but not selling out the show just to make a bigger show. Oh, I, we, I think our integrity is our most important thing. And even when we, the way we deal with trolls on Facebook and everywhere else, like we're still, you know, way too polite more so than we should be, but we don't, we don't get into it with people. You know, some people give us a hard time because we don't press our guests harder and really it's, put their feet to the fire, but that's yeah. not us. And everyone's entitled to tell their story yes. the way they want to tell it. You make your own conclusion. Draw See, your own opinion. This is my biggest issue with podcasting out there. And and I've said it before, and it's just it's a pet peeve of mine. 
everybody and their dog has a right to podcast. Everybody has a right to an opinion and everything. I'm not saying that isn't isn't the case. But where I notice it, whether it's on UFO Twitter, which is its own little piece of antichrist as its, <laughs> as its own being. It's the worst. Twitter's yeah. the worst body of the social oh, media. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or whether it's podcasting. It seems like so many people get into this to have that aha, gotcha moment. Instead of listening to that full sentence or paragraph, they're taking two or three little words out of there. Oh, look, Lou Elizondo said this, or Jacques Vallée said that, or Hal Putoff, or, or whoever it may be. And they try and and literally spear the person for words without finishing the sentence. I've had it happen to me. I'm sure you guys have had it happen to you, yeah. you know, with what you're saying. How do you deal with the fact that there are so many podcasts out there on these relative subjects? How do you stand out to make yourself look like the one that's more professional, the one that is that is more going after the story and, and the, the proper news rather than just the drama? I would say we don't do the things the other shows do. So a lot of people complain, you know, or I, we learn what they're doing wrong based on compliments. So people will say, hey, we love how your show, you ask a question and then you let them speak. You're not trying to outpace them and vie for airtime. Like you let them go. If they want to have a 15 minute paragraph, you guys let that happen. So we appreciate that. So that kind of tells us that, hey, maybe that's something that they're not so uh, happy with on other programs. So I think we've molded based on our positive feedback and we get so little negative, like everybody gets the odd troll, but oh, yeah. it's never, never against us. Thankfully, it's usually against our particular guests. Like I didn't like that guy's book. I think he's full of it. But thankfully, we're not opinionated enough, and the show is not about our opinion. We just want to have give people their uh, their time. And the nice thing I find too is people will will say things they've never said before because they feel comfortable, and we're letting them go. And you know, our body language is positive, and they just feel like they're talking to a friend. So I feel like the quality of program we get is unique because we just don't we don't do a lot of the things that I think other shows have as their shortcomings. Well, and I can say that from personal experience in being interviewed by Jason a few months ago uh, before you joined in, Louie, and it, it was a great experience. It, it really was. I mean, I'm sure it's oh, much better. Oh, man. I, I'm sure it's You're much, a great guest. I, I'm sure it's much better now that you've grown that serious power stash, you yeah. know. You yeah. got the whack yeah, that work and all the oh, rest. Yeah, I got everything. Oh, I, I yeah, left yeah. him a gift the other day, a little globe in a box. And when I put it beside his computer, he had a comb. He had some kind of spray. He had the wax. Oh, I love like it. Like garb <laughs> right by his monitor. I guess you need that readily available. Just, you know, throughout the day, you got to throw that on there. Make sure you're still pretty. Oh, right? I love it. Yeah. I love it. I, I do want to ask you guys. Okay. We got about six minutes to go before we go to break at the bottom of the hour here from UAP studies podcast, Louis Borges and Jason Gamet. Are we in a disclosure movement or are we in more of a confirmation movement? Because there's a lot of politics being played in the UFO field right now and trying to decipher, you know, right from wrong, A through Z. Yes, it's Z, not Z, Z, you know, where we come from. You know, where do you stand on this, Jason? I mean, it's so tough to decipher these days. Yeah, I think we, you know, focused on disclosure for so long that we want, you know, this person or this organization to come out and say, yes, these things are real. That's never going to happen. I like the other uh, thing that you said, sort of it's more of a, uh, 
Oh, what, what was it that you just said? Not a disclosure, but confirmation. Confirmation. Thank you. Uh, it's more of a confirmation in the sense of you got these political parties now that are saying, hey, these things are real. Let's investigate them. But the problem is, is that we keep thinking threat narrative. It's always from a military point of view. So the confirmation is more like, yes, they're real, but it's a military threat. So it sort of gives to me the impression of like, let's just wash our hands. The general public does need to be concerned about this. The government has it handled. Uh, whereas now we're seeing more movement. Canada recently is making some moves. Uh, it's it's good. Like there's some, it's, it's seeping out of the ground right now. The disclosure, I think it's more of a, it's more of a seeping. I, if that I, makes I sense. It, it depends what side of the fence you're on. If you're already a believer, and if you're like George Knapp, this is confirmation. Your life's work is being validated. But if you're somebody where you need hard proof, then it, it's more of a disclosure. You know, some people will believe it when they see it. And I think the ultimate way to debunk a skeptic is to have official disclosure, capital D, and then, but I think it's been a trickle effect and it kind of, Depending who you are, it's either confirmation or it's new information that something official is about to be released. That's right. And, and, you know, people can find a lot of your interviews over at your UAP Studies podcast on YouTube as well. And we're going to put the link up there. You know what? We're going to challenge our audience here tonight. You guys are at 938 subscribers. We got to get you to 1,000. We got to get you. We've only been up for four months on YouTube. We just thought, hey, we're recording a video already. Let's just launch them on our YouTube channel. And absolutely crazy. Like Thomas Winterton had 13,000 views, and that was one of our earlier shows. Well, you know what? Let's get to it. We want everybody to go out there and uh, and listen to your shows and your podcasts and everything like that. So if you're in one of our if you're in our YouTube chat room, grab that link and go hit subscribe on that because let's see if we can get them up to a thousand tonight. A thousand is the is the start of breaking points on on uh, YouTube, and, and I always love helping yeah. people try and get there. The first one is 100, the next one is 1,000, then it's 10,000. You're on your own for that, because I don't know. Direct auto insurance is for uncompromisers, the people who refuse to make trade-offs in life. Like Kelly, when her old car insurance got so expensive that she couldn't afford to drive anymore, do you think she started carrying her groceries for miles? No. But she did find Direct Auto savings that allowed her to drive instead of compromise. With savings of up to 25%, you too can stop compromising and keep driving. Get a quote today at directauto.com. Savings based on applied discounts and will vary. Terms apply. How you buy can affect price. National General Group, Winston-Salem. Direct Auto Insurance is for uncompromisers. The people who refuse to make trade-offs in life. They're the ones who proudly say no to living on someone else's terms and schedule. And when it comes to insurance, they find the savings they need to keep driving. And with savings of up to $1,044 per year when you switch to Direct Auto, you too can stop compromising and keep driving. Get a free quote today at directauto.com or find a store near you. Data from August 2021, new customer survey. Savings of any vary. How you buy can affect price. National General Group, Winston-Salem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's weird, too, because like Louie and I, you know, we'll start something like, you know, the YouTube and all of a sudden we'll be like, oh, my God, we got five views. Like, it's a big deal. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, we got 50 views. And then it amps up like 500 views. It's like so we're, we keep getting excited because the numbers keep getting bigger. Uh, but it, it's humbling because when we first you know started the podcast, um, there wasn't that many listeners. Right. And so you kind of get. 
you know, not, I wouldn't say discouraged, but you're kind of like, who's out there? Who, who would listen to this? And as you're seeing the growth happen and the natural growth happen and uh, the numbers even now being on YouTube, it's fantastic. It's just great to, to, to connect with the people that are actually listening out there. So yeah, if you could guys can sub, that'd be awesome. We would really appreciate it for sure. Thanks, well, Dave. Well, we need 49 more now. We've already taken us the first jump. We'll, we'll hit it tonight. We will, hit nice. it. we will hit it tonight. But the one thing that I love about you guys is the open mind that you guys keep. You know, you're not trying to, to hammer people. You're trying to get good conversation, especially into the disclosure movement or confirmation movement. Have you guys ever hit any brick walls through your all the meetings that you have where people will just say, look... I don't want to talk about this. This isn't this isn't for me. This isn't part of the discussion that I want to have because we all have had those situations where somebody just clams right up. I think a little bit when we when we talked to Jim Semivan, there were certain things we touched on he couldn't really go into. Um yeah, and I, I think we we do a little bit of pre-show work with these guys to try to get them loosened up. We give them our flavor. Hey, we're not here to ask you, you know, what are your thoughts on Joe Simpson? And then if you don't know him, you look stupid because we don't like that stuff either. So it's basically tell us about yourself. What are you working on now? Where can people find you? Thanks for coming on the show. Like that's the hour in a nutshell. And we let them know that. So they're kind of you know, they're loosened up a little bit and they know that it's not going to be anything awkward. So I, I would say at least since I've been on the show since January, nobody's clammed up other than Jim. I, you know, I wanted to get to the nitty gritty and he's a CIA agent. So yeah, there's some limitations there, but everybody's been really good. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Louis, right. Like there's nobody that's really said anything, uh, um, no. you know, that, Oh, I can't talk about this. If anything, they've said, you know, I never, said this before but here we go yeah. uh and they'll say something that we're like okay that this is cool this is sort of you know news to us because we haven't heard this anywhere else so and we keep saying it's a safe space and it you know if we didn't name it uap studies it would have been called it's a safe space because we keep saying that to people like it's okay to talk about it this is the platform to do so gentlemen i'm going to get you to hold on right there we are going to take our break here at the bottom of the hour jason gamet louis borges from uap studies podcast based out of the beautiful city of chilliwack british columbia and damn it i wish i was there right now because literally i would be on the river right now brawling for my salmon fishing spot space out radio continues right after this God, I miss combat fishing. Combat fishing? That's what it's called on the Vetter. We're going to have a quick leak. I will return. Yeah, that's what it's called on the Vetter, man. Combat fishing. Nice. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. You go under the Keith Wilson Bridge, man. Oh, you're pushing people away. I can't uh, I can't fish to save my life. Like if I was given all the fishing supplies that I needed, I would not catch a single thing. It's not my forte, but my twin brother is an avid fisherman. And same with a coworker of ours, Sage. Is hello hello Sage if you're watching. Um it's uh he's he's a fisherman. Like he goes out every morning, catches fish, releases them, uh, catches like six, seven fish. And he comes to work and he shows us all the pictures. I'm like, man, that's a fantastic ability, right? That's uh, you're able to feed yourself. That's crazy. Oh yeah, man. It's just not a skill I have. Yeah. So kudos to you, my man. 
Yeah, one of my favorite, favorite ho- uh, happy moments on the river. I, I'm a catch and release guy. And you get a bunch of people on that river, man, where they just, you could see them that that you're in the hot spot or you're in the honey hole that day. You never know where the honey hole is. You just have to right. pay attention. And you're, you know, slapping fish every couple of minutes. You know, you get your line back in there, bang, once again, here you go. You're on, on the fight. And you get these people where you can literally see them grinding their teeth and smoke coming out of their ears that they haven't got anything yet. And my favorite pastime is going by these people, carrying the fish, and then sitting down right in front of them and releasing it back into the water. Because they're all like, no, 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 no. I want that. I want to give it to me. I, I can't give it to you. That's illegal. I can lose my license for that. I caught the fish. You didn't. Yeah. I remember. I you had, want it? Go get it. I was fishing the canal one time. And I landed about a about 28-pound spring salmon. And this old, old guy comes running over because he sees I'm going to put it back. He comes running over. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. And he's running, not even paying attention, steps on my rod and snaps the tip off my rod. Oh, no. And I'm like, like, my rod is like 400 bucks. And I'm like, thank God it has a lifetime guarantee. So that's crazy. I literally tell my buddy, I said, I didn't even get mad at him. I I was just like, bud, what are you doing? Well, I'll take your fish, man. If you don't want it, I'll take it. No, no. You break my fucking rod and now you want me to give you the fish. So number one, that's illegal. Number two, you ain't getting my fish or, and I got to go get a new fishing rod. So pick up a run to the fishing store, grab my new rod, gave him the old one, the broken one, line back up, took me about 45 minutes. You know, I think I, oh, st- really? yeah, I think I stopped for Taco Bell or Taco Time at, uh, at, uh, at there at Agassiz. Or not well, Agassiz. you have to. Or not That's, Agassiz. Yeah. Where, where the hell is it? Where am I thinking? What's that little town right, right before Cultus? Yarrow? Yarrow, yeah. The gas yeah. station there had had a taco time in it. Have to stop really? there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. That that town always creeped me out. I never liked Yarrow. Just always had that weird vibe oh, to yeah. me. Like just remember that's though, where serial killers come from or something. You know that gas station is the is the closest toilet, and it's still a long <laughs> ways away when you were in your in your fishing gear. It is a long yeah. ways away. So no, it's all good. It's all good. Do uh, they make you buy your stuff? Before you can use the bathroom or what? I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hey, if I'm there, man, I'm going to Taco Time. That's pretty much it. Uh, let's give a shout out to some people who are here. Uh, Donna Spencer, nice to see you tonight. Thank you. Love v love. Good to have you here. Chris Mo from Austria, always a pleasure, my friend. Who else has joined us? Kevin, how you doing, man? Rono Er, Von Patrick, what's happening, Mister Gray Owl? It's been a while. How you been, Vin Man? Vin Man and Rui Gonzalez from Portugal. Rui from Portugal has returned. And let's see who else is uh, back here. Jordan Ashley Pettit. How you doing there, lady? Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Wrong chat room there, uh, Louie. You got to go on YouTube on your phone. Robert Lamoth. How you doing? Mama Susan. Thank you for coming on in. Brown Dwarf. I said hi earlier, so you don't get a second one. Um... 
I'm teasing. Ghost Magnet, welcome to SOR Chat. You're brand new here. Appreciate you, man. All right, I think we're caught up. Super Chat is open. Wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So everybody who does, thank you so, so much. We're going to get into the UFO talk here in about 10 seconds. Godfather, what's happening? Welcome to SOR Chat. And uh, let's see. Here we go, everyone. Second half hour is next. Second half hour of Space Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, you can always check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. From the UAP Studies Podcast, Louis Borges, Jason Gilmet are here. We're talking UFOs for at least the next 90 minutes or so because that's what we do around here on the Mighty SOR. Gentlemen, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. Always fun to be here, Dave. Always yeah, fun. thanks, Dave. No You're a good problem. guy. This is fun. No problem. I should have shaved, though. Should have shaved, but that's okay. Come or I should have grown a beard. I don't know. I can't do what you boys do, though. I, You I know what? Louie, I always have spare beards here in the office, in the studio. Perfect. I got five beards up on the shelf here from listeners and myself. So if you need one, you just let us know. We'll ship All you right. one for free. And, uh, All right. You know. You don't They're like it. suits. You could interchange them and, you know, every day have a different sure. beard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the way we do it around here. <laughs> and trust me, I actually do have the beards here. I do. That's not. I guess if you spill soup on a beard, you need a quick beard. It's just a quick swap, right? Exactly. You know, you never yeah. know. You're watching the football game. You get a little bit of cheese on from the nachos, you know, or you're eating too many hot wings. And then an hour later, you yes. know, you, you got an itch and you rub your eye and, it, you know. It's, it's a snack saver. It just, yeah. you know, you got a little popcorn stuck to your mustache or your beard. It's just for, for later. Right? I had a gummy bear in the thickest part for later, right? And then you know where it's at. <laughs> hey, whatever you need, man. Whatever you need. But let's let's talk some UFOs tonight here, you know, because right now we see a lot of politics being played in the UFO world. You know, whether or not Luis Elizondo is who he is, whether or not it's fair that he works for Space Force or whether Travis Taylor from Skidwalker Ranch was keeping quiet that he actually works for Space Force. We're seeing a lot of secrets come out lately, Jason, regarding uh, UFOs. It's not so much about the sightings right now. It's about the politics and the who's who of what's going on. Do you think there's a big game being played behind the scenes that the majority of us just aren't paying attention to? I think so. I think that uh, there's movement definitely going on in the States for sure about this whole subject. And, uh, you know, Space Force, I'd like to know more about Space Force personally. I don't know they're quite secretive still. And the fact that they're hiring these people to, to be part of it to me just indicates that 
you know, the UAP issue is going to be part of the, 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 their domain, right? It's going to be something that they're going to be in charge of, especially any activity that takes place in space. Uh, it's going to be space force. So I'm not surprised that, you know, they're sort of leaning that way as far as the whole Lou Elizondo thing. Um, uh, who knows, you know, the people are, are attacking him on Twitter. He's been quite silent. Um, I think he's working on his own stuff right now. I'm not quite sure what he's up to, but I can't say anything right now about Lou because I don't know. Uh, I'm just, I'm in the middle sort of going, mm. uh, yeah, that's, that's my take on it. But uh, I'd like to, to, to know more like Christopher Mellon, for instance, I'd like to him to be in Canada. I'd like to, have the Canadian government take lead on this, um, you know, whole UAP issue, especially bringing it to maybe a larger audience like NATO or something. Uh, that'd be a great thing to see is to, to have more of a global effort as opposed to just one country trying to solve the whole problem. This is a way, way, way much bigger problem than one country can solve. Although, mind you, the United States is doing pretty good so far. So, uh, you know, keep up, keep up the good work. Well, one of the things uh, that I, I'm concerned with is how we keep seeing, you know, Lou Elizondo recently, a couple of weeks ago, come out in an article on in Liberation Times, which is a UFO reporting site. And he comes out and says he literally wants to kill ufology. He really wants yeah. to tear it apart. He wants to get rid of the people who are critical. He wants to get rid of the rumors. He wants to get rid of the stories of people contacting aliens about peace, love, and light. He wants to change the entire dynamic. You know, I mean, it's harsh to say, and it's an eye-catching title, you know, that he wants to kill ufology. I think we all know that's not really what he means. He wants to shapeshift it into something that is more beneficial to what he sees as a positive atmosphere. But... On the flip side, you can't control people's opinions, and not everybody is going to have the same opinion. Louis, what's your thoughts on this? Because this caused quite a stir. Well, I think because these guys are military trained through and through, when you're a hammer, all you see are nails. So naturally, the threat narrative is strong in their mind. They've been trained to be paranoid that never let your guard down and all the rest. So I can understand and forgive a little for that kind of a stance on it. But I just remember before, you know, let's call it a year and a half ago, he would have like, hey, great things coming. These very elusive tweets and nothing would really roll. And then, you know, Jason and I were starting the show and we thought, hey, let's have Lou on. Next thing you know, he did like 45 podcasts in a row. And we were like, do we even really want Lou Elizondo on the show if he's just so part of me feels like he's been spewing his own agenda. But some people say hey, he works for the government. He's a plant. I also have a part of me that thinks if he wasn't allowed to be saying what he's saying, he wouldn't be getting away with it either. Somebody would shut him up one way or the other if he was really dabbling in the wrong realm. So I think maybe disclosure is coming through these characters too. And, you know, Tom DeLong went his way in the media and did what he does best. Maybe Lou's now consulting on a, a private contractor level, trying to get governments to take that threat narrative seriously. Maybe he's getting some feedback uh, from that as well. So, I don't know. I think the military training has a lot to do with it. Well, I, I, I'm very remiss on the entire idea that UFOs are a threat. We haven't seen it. We yeah. have not seen it whatsoever. As far right. as we as the public knows, there's never been an airliner shot down or crashed because of a UAP intervention. There has never been a jet fighter attacked 
although we are now hearing that the United Kingdom and the United States, you know, through rumors and, and, and certain reports, may have fired upon UFOs to see if we could actually take one down. I mean, that's just a scientific way of doing things. When in doubt, kill something. Right. <laughs> right. The human way. Yeah, it, it is the human way. But but we see this happening over and over again. However, the one thing that we do know with our our good friends in the South is fear sells, fear sells movies, fear sells security, fear sells military and the military industrial complex to unknown budgets. Is that what you where you guys are leaning on this is that maybe just maybe it's about creating more of a budget to stay ahead on developing technology, especially if there is crash retrievals. Absolutely. I think that uh, it's going to be job creation. First of all, if this comes out, you're going to have big departments. There's going to have to fill those departments and there's going to be more, I wouldn't say more secrecy. See, one thing, Dave, that I, I keep bringing up is that, as much as I would like to think that they're going to come up with a great system of organizing these sightings and these, uh, you know, crash retrievals and all that, there's groups that have been doing this for a long time, right? Like 75 years. They've been the first ones to show up when something goes down. They're the first ones to show up when somebody captures something. Again, you know, mentioning the Nimitz and Princeton incident. It was only 20 minutes until uh, after the, uh, pilot captured that on his uh, on his plane that two civilian looking men in helicopter showed up on deck took all the uh, data and of course flew off so all these things that they're creating in the government right now they're going to be are they going to be butting heads against this organization or these organizations have been doing it this long that's you know really where i'm wondering right now like if, is that going to come to light as they spread their investigation are they going to say hey actually there's these clandestine groups that seem to be competing with us for this stuff. Uh, that's what I'm waiting to see. Cause I don't think they're just going to gently step aside and let a new group, you know, from Congress take over and uh, uh, start doing uh, what they need to do. Well, here, here's my concern though. And Louis will grab you on this one. Here's my concern. Who is the groups? Now myself and a couple friends have been looking deeply over the last couple of years. And Jason, you and I had private conversation on this about all these little different factions that seem to be popping up all over the place and, and support groups and, and different type of, you know, people, uh, you know, focusing on their style of ufology. But do you think Louie, that maybe it's just one giant group that's coming together and they all have the same attitude this is where I'm kind of leading towards the Galileo project. You know, I mean, we yeah, saw... I, go ahead. Part of me, you know, part of me thinks that, yeah, it is possible. There could be a global organization that's, you know, organized on the topic. But then when I look at things like you mentioned earlier, Jacques Vallée's at a conference with a lot of other European and South American countries and the U S isn't there. So if there really was this cooperation and maybe that's just because it's a public conference, maybe there are closed door cooperative meetings. I don't know. But, you know, usually when, when, when factions are cooperating, there's evidence of that. And when you have factions that are sort of not cooperating, i.e. taking camera footage, like you're reporting it to your superiors. These guys show up. You don't even know who they are. And they're the superiors to your own superiors. So, you know, I think the actions would really prove what's actually happening. I think there's a bit of both. 
but I, I don't think it's one congealed effort just yet. Maybe we're striving to get there. Well, I, that's what I'm wondering is, is what are we doing to strive to, to get there? I mean, you know, it just seems to be coming so convoluted. Like a number of years ago, before the To The Stars Academy came out, you know, there were a number of different ways you could follow ufology. It was a bunch of independent resources. We didn't have all these governmental-type characters running around, at least publicly. Some of them were, like like a Rick Doty or, or someone along those lines were running around. But we didn't have the amount of people as we do today or the names that we have running through today, from Avi Loeb to Travis Taylor to Robert Bigelow, even though Bigelow was has been around this scene since... 1980s okay we didn't know about elizondo we very few people had heard of hal put or jim semivan even though you know they've been pretty much the creators of this john alexander you know a lot of these military style people who come from the government who have you know who would be considered patriots of the united states i think that's a fair comment you know do you look at it jason as with all of these new names they all have something in common and that is their love of the united states of america their love of the u.s military and their love of these strange topics direct auto insurance is for uncompromisers the people who refuse to make trade-offs in life like Kelly, when her old car insurance got so expensive that she couldn't afford to drive anymore, do you think she started carrying her groceries for miles? No, but she did find Direct Auto savings that allowed her to drive instead of compromise. With savings of up to 25%, you too can stop compromising and keep driving. Get a quote today at directauto.com. Savings based on applied discounts and will vary. Terms apply. How you buy can affect price. National General Group, Winston-Salem. Hey there, I'm David Novak. I ran Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. And like you, I'm always learning so I can be the best leader I can be. That's why I started How Leaders Lead, the first leader-to-leader podcast with CEOs from Target, Pepsi, and Adobe, and greats like Tom Brady, Jim Nance, and Jack Nicklaus. You'll learn how to win, how to bounce back, and how to lead. So listen to How Leaders Lead wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the best podcast on leadership you'll ever listen to. And by no means... Or, you know, and this is where I, I wonder if people pay attention, you know, to Lou Elizondo. And I and I like Lou. I think Lou's a good guy. You know, I'd have him on the show at any time. And, you know, hey, we've texted and talked before. But I also see Lou from a journalistic background talking out of both sides of his mouth. One, one he's saying, we got to get this to the public. We got to make sure that we are, are getting disclosure moving. We need more videos. We need more evidence. We need everything. But on the other side, he's saying, hey, man, I get paid by Space Force. You know, I got to right. keep these secrets. Are we not paying attention to this? It's weird because I think he put himself in a corner. Um, I think it wasn't... Um... I say we have a messiah complex, but we're always looking for that one person that's going to be the leader, the one person that's going to come out and guide us through this, right? And it's we a lot of people when Lou Elizondo first came out just said, "Oh my God, this is the guy. This is the man that's going to do this." But now he's to the point where he has to, if he's working with Space Force, he's going to have to go back to having stuff classified and things that he can't talk about. So he's alluded to us all these years that he's, you know, he knows more than what's going on. But to add what you were saying about all the people that, you know, from Robert Bigelow to um, Jim Semivan, most of them are all experiencers. 
which is really interesting because they've all inter- you know like Robert Bigelow had uh, you know his family had some experiences uh, they own Skinwalker Ranch, had experiences there, took the hitchhiker, uh, you know, back home with them. Same with George Knapp. Jim Semivan had an incident with his wife uh, late in, in one night. Uh, so a lot of these people, these researchers or, or people in the military have had interactions or some sort of experience with this. They don't push the threat narrative. The threat narrative is being pushed a lot more from the Lou Elizondo camp. You know, like we need to look at this, what's going on. Even when you watch the unidentified show, I mean, it was very serious and these black and white, you know, flashbacks and, you know, we need to look at this as a threat to the United States and say, it's not just the United States. What if the whole world gets bombed by these things? And the only thing that remains is the United States. It's, it, it makes no sense. This is a global issue. And you have these big players coming out saying, Hey, we've had these experiences and, Yet Lou Elizondo hasn't said anything like if he's had an experience or not. I don't know what drives Lou, uh, but I, I don't think the threat narrative is the right way to go about this. Because like you mentioned, they haven't shown any hostility towards us whatsoever. So uh, I, I I don't know what the political gain would be on that uh, besides just uh, the money that can come from Congress and the military establishment. Well, and that's a big thing. The military-industrial complex does reign high. But you know what? We all of a sudden are seeing a lot of of guards being put up. The United States Navy recently releasing uh, a memo stating they're not releasing any more UFO videos. The public can kiss their ass and doesn't matter. They've gone silent on this again. They don't want it discussed. They don't want it achieved. They're trying to flex their own muscle as the most powerful military force in the world, which the United States Navy is. Okay, I mean, are we just getting slapped back in the face here from what we have? Or is this punishment to Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon for not dropping the story, Lou? I think it's kind of proof of that dichotomy. There are the ones trying to make something happen, and there's an old guard and you know it, it would it looks like it when you see the effect right they have these congressional hearings and everybody agrees yeah we should chat about it all of a sudden the military shuts the door on all things video related it doesn't really feel like progress you know so you know maybe it's like a, like jason said multiple factions and everybody's fighting they all get their 15 minutes in the media because they're all big players whether you're the navy or some other industrial complex but I think to the point of what, you know, why the threat narrative is it keeps the spending going. It keeps those black budget projects going. I mean, you know, the whole um, Gulf War was all about infrastructure, building roads and fixing things. And I mean, the U.S. owns the largest war machine in the world. They make the planes and tanks and guns and all that. So part of that is self-preservation, too, from an economic standpoint. So I can see why some people would not want to lose that that belief uh, in the population that military is important, you know, Jason, your thoughts. Uh, you know, I'm going to say again, just cause I was thinking about the Navy situation you were talking about. Um, you know, it's a good time for them to say that they're not going to release any more videos on UAPs or UFOs when you got conflicts, like what's taking place in Ukraine and then the Taiwan issue with China. I mean, that is basically a Navy mission right now. Right. They're disputing the, the waters and they want to, you know, be robust and like, no, we're you know, we don't have a UFO problem. They don't want to look silly. Right. Uh, so I just think that that has something to do with it. The fact that they're quiet. 
What concerns me the most is you have departments or not departments, I should say more organizations like the Air Force who have been silent on the issue. If anybody knows anything would be the Air Force or NASA. And the fact is, I know, uh, Dave, you've had some issues with NASA and you've been very vocal about it. But I'm I'm starting to agree with you. I think if anybody would know anything, it would be those two organizations. And yet we've heard we've heard nothing from them. And that's a concerning part. I think the Navy did its part already. Um, thank you, you know, for what you've given us. And now it's time for the other departments to play ball. Well, hey, don't get me started on NASA. Don't get me started <laughs> on NASA again. I, I, that's why I needed two weeks off was because I, all I had, I was dreaming about Bill Nelson in a Speedo watching UFOs flying over. When you get to that point, you got to shut it down. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you need a break. Yeah. Yes. You start, you start seeing professional help, you know. Maybe I'm obsessing about this a little too much. Yeah. No, and, and that's exactly it. we got four and a half minutes before we got to go to break at the top of the hour. Jason Gilmet and Louis Borges from UAP Studies Podcast are here tonight. But the Navy really shifting gears here. I think we're seeing a real battle for control over this topic. And... You know, you look at the Galileo Project, they have people who have served, they have people who are from universities uh, all over the place, from the SCU, and we see the government really now and the military taking a, a tough stance on on this. How do we move this ball forward, considering prior to all of these people gaining attention and popularity, it was the Richard Dolans, the Stanton Friedmans, the legendary Grant Camerons, Linda Moulton Howes, and all of these people who were bringing the news, the updates, the 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 so-called sources that were slowly leaking tidbits of information. So how do we trust today's ufology over what we had previous? I would say that it's it's a challenge because now everybody's got a seat at the table and nobody has proof and nobody really knows for sure. You know, there are no UFO experts. So because everybody kind of has an equal say, it gets a lot more muddled. Whereas before there was a couple key pioneers as we see them now, but in the day they weren't, they were just the only people that didn't care if people thought you were nuts to talk about this kind of thing. So um, yeah, I think because there's so many more people involved and you see that on Twitter and Facebook and everybody's an expert, some guy on his couch that's watched ancient aliens for a couple of years, he wants to battle Richard Dolan now in a debate. So it's become a lot more dynamic and complex as a result. Jason, your and thoughts? Twitter's a good, yeah, I was going to say Twitter is a good example, uh, example yeah. of that because you got a lot of people that just, you know, we get that all the time. I mean, people start arguing. Uh, the other day, somebody was arguing with um, with Louis. You're not arguing, but saying some statements. That you guys shouldn't be doing this, shouldn't be doing that. And what makes you the expert and blah, blah, blah. And then Louis just replied to something to the effect, well, I talked to George Knapp, and this is what he said. Um, you know, yeah, he kind said of- something. It was unprecedented because we discussed UFOs and mysticism because he's authored books on both. And somebody commented and said, they, they can't both exist. UFO and mysticism, that's, that's BS. And I said, well, not when, you know, the two are interrelated sometimes and have causational effects. And then he basically went into, you know, uh, there's no relation, that's nonsense. And I, I wrote, you know, I thought so too, until my colleague and I interviewed George Knapp and he told <laughs> us otherwise. And then he very quickly said, oh, I love George Knapp. And we wind up messaging, you know, 
10 times over since, but there's an easy way to deal with trolls sometimes, I think, too, right? You just give them give them the chance to untroll themselves. I think they just want attention. Well, a lot, of people, a lot of people, though, do have a very hard time believing that, you know, and, I, and Nicole Sackage, who's in our chat room, her and I talk all the time about the phenomena because that's what yeah. it is. And and the one thing that a lot of these bigger names, whether it's Gary Nolan or or others who are, are really starting to to learn quickly, is that the phenomena is everything. It's your consciousness. It's UFOs. It's ultra-terrestrials, extraterrestrials, the gnomes that live in the forest, Sasquatch, yeah. Bigfoot, near-death experience, what happens after death. I mean, this phenomena just keeps going. And for a lot of people... It's very tough to handle because they they have segregated UFOs from ghosts to to consciousness to everything psychic ability, all under different tabs. Well, this one's legit. This one's crazy. The nut bars go over here. The peace loving lighters and the people who think Bigfoot should have a voting uh, presence in the elections should go over here. <laughs> you know where the yeah. where the padded rooms are. Okay, that's where it all seems to go. But, I mean, the, the fact is, more and more, it's starting to come out, and people are starting to realize the phenomena really is everything about it. We are going to continue on with this great conversation about UFOs tonight. Jason Gilmet, Louis Borges, a couple of good Canadian dudes who are studying UAPs, their podcast, UAP Podcast, which can be found everywhere, including YouTube. Let's hit them on a 1,000 subscribers tonight. We are literally short 38. 38 is what we're short now. Do this. Let's go. Come on. Let's do this. Let's hit 1,000. You got that right. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio UFO Talk continues right after this. Stay tuned, guys. That was a fast hour, man. That was really fast, wasn't it? Yeah. You, man, you killed me. That was funny. With what? I have everything on tabs. Well, you were mentioning about all the phenomenon on tabs, and I'm guilty of that. Me too. And I'm totally guilty me of that. I, Yeah, for years. Mm-hmm. For years. Somebody would talk to me about Bigfoot. I'd be like, look at this loser. And then I'm turning around going, oh, hey, yeah. you believe in aliens? <laughs> like, oh, who am I? Who am I? Yeah, that's crazy. Oh, yeah, dude. Hey, I'm just going to take you out, put you in the green room, uh, and Louie in the green room. I'll be right back, okay? Perfect. Not a problem. All right. I'll be right back, people.
boys back in. How we doing, guys? We got about a minute to go here. Yep, doing good. Having fun yet? Absolutely. Good. I got to uh, probably in the next couple weeks uh, drive down to see my parents in Abbotsford. Nice. So, We're going to hang out or what? Well, I'm thinking on a maybe on a Sunday on my way home, we could uh, all meet up and uh, have a have a dinner or something. Sure, that would work. Yeah, yeah. We normally do our recordings on Sunday mornings, so uh, I think Sunday evenings we're, we're available. Yeah. yeah, sometimes they get bumped to afternoon or depending on time frame, but usually after like 4 p.m., there's nothing going on. Yeah, let's uh, plan it out. Big thank you to Pam and our symbol guy for the Super Chats tonight. Very much appreciated. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on Spaced Out Radio. So thank you so much. Our store is open on our website, and let's go here. Hour number two is next. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Flounce. Flounce is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with Jason Gilmet and Louis Borges. They are from UAP Studies Podcast, based out of British Columbia here, right where I am. They're about three hours south of where I am, just across the mountains, and we're glad to have you guys here. And thank you so much for talking some UFOs tonight. Great to be here, Dave. I love the uh, the activity in the chat room. That's very good. I like seeing support. It makes it oh, worthwhile yeah. when you do this kind of thing, right? Oh, they're good people in there. Very good yeah, people. Yeah, it looks like it. I want to ask you guys, because we are all Canadian here. We've really, not until recently, thank you to reporter and uh, real good sleuth, Daniel Otis from CTV News and Vice uh, freelance journalist for Vice Magazine, has really started digging in deep into the Canadian side of UFOs. And we have seen very little come out of Ottawa regarding this topic, yet we have learned that former Defense Minister Harjit Sejan was read in just a few weeks before the U.S. congressional hearings and, and the report that came out in 2021. We hear that just, and what I know from two different sources, Justin Trudeau, our prime minister, was read in sometime between August and December of 2019 by former U.S. ambassador or Canadian ambassador to the United States, uh, David McNaughton. And now we have more reports from from the transportation minister coming out that there are 
talks about how the government, which is a liberal government here in Canada, would react to any questions about unidentified aerial phenomena on the floor of the House of Commons. Jason, I want to start with you on this one, if you don't mind. Uh, regarding this, how do you feel about, you know, Canada finally starting to maybe talk about this subject? Oh, it's great. Uh, we haven't been here ever. Like, I don't, you know, I'm 41 years old, and I'm trying to think of, you know, the last time that something like this has taken place where something that used to be on the fringes where people laughed at, you actually have some serious political interest and scientific interest. What I find funny is that even though we have that going on in our political system, uh, it's not making... The hey there, I'm David Novak. I ran Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. And like you, I'm always learning so I can be the best leader I can be. That's why I started How Leaders Lead, the first leader-to-leader -leader podcast with CEOs from Target, Pepsi, and Adobe, and greats like Tom Brady, Jim Nance, and Jack Nicklaus. You'll learn how to win, how to bounce back, and how to lead. So listen to How Leaders Lead wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the best podcast on leadership you'll ever listen to. When was the last time you totally logged off and took all of your vacation days? Well, Michelob Ultra Pure Gold can help with a little PTO. That's paid time outdoors. Pure Gold has a PTO experience that will help you get away from every ping. Go to MichelobUltra.com slash PTO to request your PTO for a chance to win a trip for four to an amazing remote destination. Enjoy responsibly. No purchase necessary. Open to U.S. residents 21 plus void were prohibited. Enter by 10-14-22. For official rules, visit MichelobUltra.com slash contest dash rules. News. Even the average folks still don't know what's going on with UAPs, even though there's massive interest. And there's tons of podcasts and, you know, tons of people out there sort of promoting it and shouting it on the hills. And yet I, I don't see much like even our own population in Canada. There's not much of an interest in UAPs. Um, there's a few of us that are definitely interested. But overall, like you talk to the average person, they don't know anything about it. They don't even know what UAP means. Um, so Canada sort of bringing that up now and saying, hey, actually, let's let's look at that. A little bit closer you had uh, larry mcguire on not that long ago dave um and it was a fantastic interview and just listening to how the political shift on this subject you know is taking place and that they're actually looking at it saying hey is this a threat and if it's not a threat it's kind of cool like you know how, how do they fly where do they come from uh sort of a different stance than the threat narrative that we're hearing you know from the south which is kind of refreshing because it's saying, okay, let's look at it from a scientific point of view as opposed to a military threat perspective. Well, and that's a good point because from what I'm hearing out of Ottawa is they want to look at this more scientifically. What what do the UFOs have in conjunction with, with nuclear power facilities? Canada does not have nuclear arms, at least that we know of. You know, we we are, you know, in, in defense spending, you know, we're like number 16 on our own list over healthcare and education <laughs> being number one and two of, of government priority. You know, and defense really doesn't come at it. I mean, how do you try and sell a, a, a let's say, a threat narrative to a country that doesn't really give a care about what its military is driving or flying? I would say, or I would argue that, the Canadian government is a better secret keeper than the American government, because even our own former defense minister, Paul Hellyer, I remember hearing him tell a story about him responding to a crash that 
you know, he was awoken out of bed that he should probably go check it out. And when he went there, the Americans were already there cleaning it up. So, and he was really upset that at his rank within the Canadian government and in particular in the, in the military, even he wasn't privy to what was going on. And he was part of the, uh, you know, the uh, Washington congressional hearings, the um, national press club, I should say. And that's sort of what got him fired up that, Hey, I'm the head of the defense. And I didn't even get told what the heck was happening. So I, I would argue that the Canadians, and it's not like the, that same phenomenon hasn't happened here. It's happened in every country around the world. That's why they're all starting to chat. So I think that now, you know, we're starting to open that those lines of communication. But I think we'd be naive to think our own government doesn't have thousands of reports and just as much evidence as most of the other countries around the world, especially with NORAD. Imagine how much NORAD has caught since the Cold War. There's no way that we're in the dark on this subject either. And we're the closest ally to the Americans. I think that uh, I think it's positive anyways. Well, and that's that's something that that very much intrigues me, because we know the RCMP holds their own reports. We know the Department of National Defense holds their own, even though they're passing over those reports to Chris Rutkowski who is a Canadian researcher, to do all the statistics regarding it. We know NAV Canada, Transport Canada, has their own report setting. I mean, at some point here, do you see the government, whether it's liberals or even after any sort of election run that could be happening in Canada over the next couple of years, where we get into the UFO topic about creating our own maybe scientific study and scientific group regarding having our own almost like a UAP task force minus the military. They tried it in the States. I mean, Clinton basically campaigned on that. If you you know vote me in, I'm going to ask. And so did his wife. And I think that's happened in Canada with the legalization of marijuana and in a lot of different states where they left the decision up to the unique state. I think governor, they made that part of their platform. And uh, so, yeah, using a political you know, hot topic has worked in the past to get people elected. So, if there is enough, you know, desire for the topic and somebody says, hey, you know, if you extend my reign, I'm going to look into this seriously. Uh, who knows? It may be enough to sway an election. What do you think, Jason? I think it should be part of the platform now. I think that that's something that they should have as part of their parties, especially when they're going down to elections is having a UAP. Like, are you going to look into this? What is this scenario? Is it a threat to the country? Obviously the threat, we always have to bring that back up because it's a possibility. Uh, and it's the way to talk to the government uh, for them to take it seriously. But I think that that should definitely be part of their uh, political agenda is to look into this form groups, have the funding for these groups and, you know, not militarize these, these, you know, I keep thinking of like, what if these things land and we make contact with them. The first thing they see is just machine guns, tanks, you know, like we do in the movies. Like That's not a hello. That's not a welcome. And here we are going, you know, we would love for them to make contact with us. It's not going to happen if we keep looking at it as a military threat. And the more that, you know, even Louie and I look into this, the more the, the subject of consciousness comes into it. So that's something that the government as well is going to it's going to open up a can of worms, I think, once they start looking into this, because it's beyond just what's flying in the sky. There's there's a lot more to this phenomenon that uh, they need to look at. One thing is the abduction phenomenon. Uh, are they going to look into that, or are they just going to look at what's flying in the sky? So, so you yeah. Open, if you open up the abduction phenomena, 
there is a threat there. People are being taken against their will. People sure. are being yeah. taken, whether they have a good experience or not. You don't have, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Gray walking up to your door and saying, hey, do you want to come for a ride with us? Yeah. It's it's an intimidating experience for those of us who have been taken. And that can be considered a threat. I understand that. But we have to draw the 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 line between what is a threat and what isn't. And this is where I think a lot of people may get confused. I agree with those who say, look, if these little bastards are coming into your bedroom at night, or if you're walking in a park or you're driving your vehicle, like we just celebrated the 61st anniversary of Betty and Barty Hill on Monday, that is a threat. They took you without your permission. That's kidnapping. Potentially, if they do anything to you, that's assault. You know, for people who have had sperm extracted or anal probing or women who claim to uh, be hybrid mothers, that's sexual assault, rape. You know, so. Yeah, there's also another aspect of that, Dave, that uh, the more that we looked into it, um, some people are, are, are saying, you know, some kind things as well, like they've been healed. Uh, this one lady had a cyst on her, I think it was Preston Dennett, Louis, yeah. that we were talking to, I was mentioning that. Um, and, and other people as well, like uh, Kathleen Martin mentioned um, that as well, that some people have healing experiences that cancer is found or is, is lost, you know, the next day. Somebody's had surgery, and the surgeon's like, you've had surgery yesterday, like, who did the surgery? And they're like, I didn't. And just you know, little things like that, or even being tucked back into bed. Like somebody described that, that when they were younger, they were being tucked back into bed, kind of like, it's okay. There, there is a fear there. I understand the threat narrative there, but in a sense is like people always come back. They don't throw you out the airlock into space. Like we would do that. If we went out and got something from another planet, we wouldn't bother bringing it right back on the spot where we took it. We would just launch it out the airspace and say, we got airlock and we got what we wanted. Um, that's not what's happening. And I understand that it's definitely illegal what's taking place. You're not allowed to do that to anybody. Um, but I don't think necessarily it's a threat, uh, at least from my point of view. But that's just my point of view, right? Well, I mean, I, I would say that ahead. it's almost necessary and i heard somebody say a quote a couple of days ago and he goes you know if they were just coming here to experiment and figure us out try to learn about mankind it, they've been doing that for ten thousand years and they're this much more advanced we learned so much about mankind in a hundred years right from you know australopithecus and then guys like michael paul masters theorizing that we become grays in the future it's just a natural progression so they're not just figuring it out for ten thousand plus years or however long sightings have been happening or abductions have been happening maybe it's a vital part of something getting screwed up we pollute our genome or our planet or there's some error somewhere and they have to continually harvest genetic material even with the cows maybe we eat cows a million years from now too right and they just don't produce naturally either or maybe we're seeding someplace else or who knows but you know it just seems that uh, the more again the more you think about it the weirder it gets really but Louis has a saying. Oh, sorry, Dave. No, please go ahead. I was going to say Louis has a saying that says it's it's not stranger than you can think. It's uh, it's no, not stranger it's than not, you think. It's stranger it's not, than you can think. Yeah, it's not yeah. stranger than you think. It's stranger than you can think. 
Like we're not that good of an observer as we think, right? Like we can only see certain spectrum, hear certain spectrum, even a dog whistles enough to be off of our grid and onto the dog. So, you know, I think with Tic Tac videos and stuff like that, it's just better machinery picking up on things that have always been there. And that's why we don't see them. You know, we're just not dialed into those frequencies. Well, one of the things we also have to look at, too, regarding this is the idea that for those who are taken, we we don't know what their experience is. The aliens, extraterrestrials, ultraterrestrials only give us little snippets of what's going on. Very few have full recall of what's actually happened. So, I mean, you might be somebody who, who, uh, you know, wakes up on a, on a steel table, but in the meantime, you don't know that the two hours previous you were flying the craft. You don't know that. I mean, there's so many different ways to look at this entire phenomena and the way it's happening. So, I mean, how do we though, I mean, Louis, you said it a couple of times during this show already is about proof. The majority of evidence that we have is anecdotal. There's not many good UFO videos out there. Okay. There's no videos that we know of, of true alien abductions. We have a lot of anecdotal, anecdotal eyewitness testimony as to what's going on. It drives the UFO world nuts. Yet we have more evidence than probably any other field of fridge that this is existent. It is happening. How do we get more people to believe that this is going on, Lou? Well, it's tough, too, because I I do believe there has been evidence, actual artifacts, bits of metal or whatever, biological material. And I'm pretty sure the government has all of it. So that's how they want it. Right. Nobody wants this uh, to really get out. And, and, you know, even if you take Richard Doty, is he a misinformationist and now he's a good guy or is he still doing the same thing? You know, those guys existed. And the mere fact that from, you know, the 40s till now, Whenever the government was asked about this topic, always had a different answer. Or they would have, you know, groups or reports and then say, hey, we looked at it, nothing here. Go about your merry way. So the fact that that was the actual reaction is very suspicious, right? If there's nothing there, there's nothing there. They want to quickly get it out in the open so that we can move on. So I think just based on years and years of reaction, we don't know what, but I'm fairly certain that not everybody is crazy most of it, you know, 99% of it is nonsense, but the 1% is a big 1% because this field, this body of evidence is massive now. And there's, there's real stuff out there for sure. Or it wouldn't have had enough fuel to keep going for 70 years. Very true. Very true. But, you know, the idea behind it is the evidence that is there. I mean, people have scars. People have markings on their bodies, scoop marks in their legs and their thighs, you know, and, you know, there is evidence out there, but do we trust that evidence? Really, what it comes down to, Jason, is what is proof? What do we need yeah. to bring this to the mass subject? You talked about earlier about how the Canadian media really hasn't jumped on board with this subject. They've tried at times, but they've never run with it, you know, because, you know, they still want to talk little greed men. Mm-hmm. That's a huge problem in our country is the media covering this subject because whenever they do, 
there's always a smile on the reporter's face. Like, well, today we're going to take a little step on a side. Uh, they just try to make it sound like it's, you know, it's going to be light or that don't take this too seriously. We're just, you know, covering the subject because it's kind of going around. I hate that. Um, this subject is the most important subject and must be taken with the utmost severity that it deserves. And the media is not doing that. Uh, instead, they're walking on eggshells because they don't know how the public is going to take it. Now, they don't mind focusing their times on whose pronoun is what now, but they can't focus on the possibility that we are being visited by other entities from somewhere else. This is a huge problem because it shows that we have an issue in our way of thinking that, you know, we're, we're more focused right now on ourselves and, you know, how we identify and how our place is in the world when there's something else taking place that we should be paying attention to. And the media is not, you know, covering it as well as they should be. I think Global is one of the worst ones to cover the subject and CTV is not much better either. Um, I really wish that they would up their game. Well, you didn't like Jennifer Jennifer Burke stating about how uh, this was all about little green men or little green men yeah. running around. Yeah, just keeping the stigma going, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and I'll just chime in again on the whole UFO versus UAP acronym, which is a fun argument to have with just about everybody. But if at the minimum the the term UAP becomes detached from all the bad baggage that UFO has. You know, like you take the God out of religion because, you know, you want to disassociate. So if anything, if at least it becomes something that people can study, change the name again, if it, if it really makes a difference. Right. But let's detach from whatever stigma people think of. You know, if we have some bad acronyms, then, you know, it might seem uh, trivial. But when you ask somebody about a UFO, they know what it is and they know what it is in terms of little green men. But it's not you know, necessarily flying objects, it's phenomena, you know, lights and all the rest. Right. So I, I, I do support at least somebody wanting to, to move forward and let's change it and make it something we can really sink our teeth into scientifically anyways. Well, I mean, the question is what's the science behind it that yeah. we don't and know. Who science? And yeah. who's science are we, I mean, you know, trying to figure out how our science works comparatively to say how, their science works wherever they come from or whoever they are you know we only know what what we've been taught and what we've learned so far i mean you get somebody like neil degrasse tyson who is out there laughing at the ufo subject somebody with his credibility and resume it doesn't help somebody like avi loeb who wants to try and bring this to a legitimate study of ufos you know, and I'll always be a UFO guy, by the way. You know, yeah. I, I understand the term. Okay. I mean, the first time we really heard the, 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 the usage of UAP was in 2015 from Hillary Clinton when she was on The Tonight Show that yeah. said, we don't call them UFOs anymore. We call them UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. Once that hit, okay, it became pop culture. We took a big uh, a big risk when we named uh, the podcast UAP Studies because it could have gone way different. It could have gone a different and, way. And Maybe here's the, the reality. If you right? want to look at it in terms of popularity and what's measurable in terms of content is keywords. And if you do keyword search in terms of volumes on UFO, 
I'm sure 10 years ago, UFO would have been 10 to 1 UAP. It's now the other way around. In fact, if you're doing YouTube videos and that type of thing and you're inserting codes, you would prefer to have UAP in front of UFO just because of the search volumes associated with that. So, you know, good or bad, it's taken off. And that sort of has become the new, the people that are in the field now, I think, like the fact that we have this new term because, you know, your, your neighbor that's into aliens but doesn't know UAP, they're not a real UAP guy or UFO guy, right? It's the people that are in it right now, you know, on the front lines, have shows about this type of thing. We dig the new acronym. I just speak for myself and that's my two cents and that's about all it's worth. <laughs> oh, that's about all mine's worth as well. UFO, <laughs> UFO. You know, <laughs> oh, we can continue uh, to uh, have some fun here. Guys, we only have you for another 30 minutes here on Spaced Out Radio. And wow, I can't believe how fast this show is going. It's been highly entertaining so far. When we return from the break, we're going to continue the UFO talk. Where is this all going? What does this all mean? Is it good for us? Is this good for humanity? Because literally, we have very few people who are literally, literally calling the shots for $7.5 billion on this planet. Jason Gilbert, Louis Borges from UAP Studies Podcast. We got him until the top of the hour. Then in hour three, we got Swamp Dweller. We got Super Duke. We have the Dave 101 and Shirky Poo's News. Man, a jam-packed show in the last 90 minutes here on Spaced Out Radio. Stay tuned. It's going to be a good one. We'll be right back. All right, we're clear. Oh, man. I bought uh, a new light today, one of those rings yeah i uh, forgot what they're called there uh, just put it in the corner and it seems to be working pretty good it's got oh there you go you got one as well yeah did you go to the source I, uh, and pick one up for 29.99 nope i went to costco and picked one up for 40 bucks but it's pretty cool like it's does yours change color it does but not it's not like blue and yellow i think is the two yeah. colors that we have yeah i got i got mine on yellow Mine's like pinkish. This one on this side is really yellow. This one's more of a, the one I showed you is more pink yellow. Pink yellow. Yeah, I got different settings on this thing here. This is the blue light. You you look real Canadian without a tan. You look winter Canadian there. (laughs) I look winter Canadian. (laughs) You look winter Canadian. I look winter Canadian all year round. It's uh, It's not pretty. Has the has the has the snow started on Shiam yet? Uh, no, not yet. No, it's pretty, still pretty hot. I think it was like twenty eight the other day. Oh, geez. So yeah, it's still still pretty hot. But yeah, I love the first dusting of snow on Shiam. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. You, you know that you're in for a, a nice fall or a nice winter when that happens, right? You know, you know the First Nation story about Mount Shiam, right? That she she is the wife of Mount Baker. Okay, did not know that. Yeah, this goes back okay. tens of thousands, millions of years. And Mount Baker's a volcano for everybody who's listening. That's uh, yes. a very, yeah, very close volcano. Yes, yes. And my old house in Mission, I had the million-dollar view of Mount Baker. 
Hey there, I'm David Novak. I ran Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. And like you, I'm always learning so I can be the best leader I can be. That's why I started How Leaders Lead, the first leader-to-leader podcast with CEOs from Target, Pepsi, and Adobe, and greats like Tom Brady, Jim Nance, and Jack Nicklaus. You'll learn how to win, how to bounce back, and how to lead. So listen to How Leaders Lead wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the best podcast on leadership you'll ever listen to. Hey there, I'm David Novak. I ran Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. And like you, I'm always learning so I can be the best leader I can be. That's why I started How Leaders Lead, the first leader-to-leader podcast with CEOs from Adobe, Pepsi, and Home Depot, and greats like Tom Brady, Jim Nance, and Jack Nicklaus. You'll learn how to win, how to bounce back, and how to lead. Listen to this insight from Stanley Druckenmiller, the greatest investor of all time. If you love what you do, first of all, your work ethic is going to be fantastic. You're just going to be better at something if you enjoy it than if you don't enjoy it. And this from Brian Cornell, the CEO of Target. I think you've got to balance short-term with long-term. And you've got to have a conviction that the things you're doing, your investments, your strategy, over time, you're making the right investments and right decisions for your brand and your business. So listen to How Leaders Lead wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the best podcast on leadership you'll ever listen to. You're ever exploded. Million. Oh, really? Be, oh, yeah. 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 I think uh, Louis lives in Mission as well. He lives on a, on a mountain as well, and he's got a heck of a view. So uh, I think he's, he's, he's in for a treat if that thing ever blows up as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'll have to hit him up. See where he lived. See where he lived. Yeah, man, this has been fun. Yes, it's going by really fast. I was looking forward to it all day. So me too. It's good to uh, yeah. Me too. You know. Well, now that there's three of us here, and we got Charles Lamaru and Paul Kingsbury in Vancouver, we got nice. we got to get a UFO conference going down there in Chilliwack. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That'd be nice to get an actual annual UFO conference of some sort. Um, we talked about it. Uh, even getting UFO BC involved and MUFON Canada involved would be well, nice. Like just make it hell as with, big as we can. Hell right? with MUFON or hell with UFO BC. Those guys yeah, are they're not good. They're useless. Yeah. yeah. Useless. They're I, like NASA. I sent them a black triangle sighting over my house. Took eight weeks for them to get back to me. Eight weeks. This is way before Spaced Out Radio. Way right. before. You know, and then I had another sighting with friends where we watched this orb just appear out of nowhere come right across the Fra- following the Fraser River, hangs a left at uh, the racetrack in Mission, goes towards Abbotsford, burns a Yui, comes right back over Mission, and disappeared into Hayward Lake. Hmm. And I filed that one, never got back to me. Never got back that to me. That whole area is a hot spot. Oh, yeah. I had a UAP sighting last October, and I called Jason real-time, He's doing his galaxy uh, apps and everything. It's not a satellite. It's not the ISS. It's not, you know, uh, anything else. And it was a windstorm, and they grounded all the planes. So there's no air traffic either. And I caught that thing for about half an hour. Just uh, It was floating over what would be Fort Langley. 
Right. I live in Mission, right on the very top of where, a mountain, where, so where, I can what, see from. Tim- where in Mission are you? I'm right on uh, on Cherry, Cherry and State. Oh, so I overlooked li- the whole. You live right. I lived right below you. Yeah, I face south too, so the view yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah, and like it's literally Chilliwack to Langley, and even yeah. on a clear day, you could see a part of Vancouver Island if you look 180 degrees yeah. to the right. I was on. But, Gra- I was on Graywall in College Heights. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my wife grew up in Mission. Oddly enough, I was born in Toronto and I moved to BC in uh, 2010. And oddly enough, her childhood house was like 25 houses down from the house we now live. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, you got a, you got a nice area there. I know exactly oh, yeah. where you are. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'm very lucky for sure. All right, guys. Hold, to get a, oh, sorry. Hold on here. We got about 19 seconds. Thank you, Pam and Symbol, for the super chats tonight. Thank you, everybody who has subscribed to UAP Studies. I, I'm going to put the uh, link right in there. If you haven't done it yet, do so. Let's try and get those guys to 1,000 subscribers tonight. Here we go. We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show. And on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. For the final time tonight, the guys from UAP Studies Podcast out of British Columbia here, Jason Gilmet and Louis Borges, are joining us, and we're talking all sorts of news of where the UFO world is going. What can we trust? What can we not trust? As we all try to gather information, Jason, and welcome back, by the way, you know, where do you feel comfortable in saying where we're going? I think we're heading in a more... Um, educated way. I think that uh, the more that we're researching this, everybody sort of want to research it on their own. And every time that something comes out, seems to make the rounds. I think that we're becoming more educated on the subject. I think we're still not in agreement with what the subject is, what the phenomenon is. I think, um, you know, the whole fighting that we have with amongst ourselves, especially within ufology, Uh, We use the term ufologist very loosely because, I mean, anybody can call themselves a ufologist. Like, you don't need to go to school or anything like that. You just need to have an interest in subject. But there's fighting amongst us because we don't know the answers. It sort of reminds me of, like, uh, you know, those old movies where a scientist or a, a great doctor came up with a solution for something and everybody's like, no, it's hearsay, I say. Um, it, that's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of, of just a bunch of bickering old men uh, not agreeing with what's going on, whereas now we're all saying to the government at the same time, please tell us what's going on. So, But I think now there's more education. Uh, there's podcasts out there, not just ours, but others. Uh, programs like yourself, Dave, that you know have 
people that come on, educate the public, maybe, and you have a public that maybe is not exposed to UAPs as much, or, you know, maybe they haven't uh, covered that subject as much. So you're, you know, programs like this is great because it educates the public. And that's what I mean. We're more educated now than we've ever been, probably thanks to the internet uh, and thanks to the information that people are willing to share. And much to our surprise is that we, we interview a lot of the old school guys, you know, uh, the people that we should hear be hearing from, like the Jacques Vallée, Leslie Keen. You know, these are the people that were pioneers and we got to learn from them what we can before they retire. And it's a new wave of ufologists that are going to take place. So um, I think I think we're heading in the right direction. It's just we need to clean up our act. Lou, follow and I up would on say, that. Uh, having recently interviewed Jacques Vallée for our 100th episode, and I asked him, I said, like, what do you want everyone to know, Jacques? And he said, suspend judgment. And George Knapp said something very similar, too. So if you look at a guy who's been doing this for decades, how many times has he changed his mind or been certain on something, but yet humble enough to go where the science is? So I think it's positive that... And again, they're still in active roles, right? These people are still advising the government. They haven't had a falling out, even Robert Bigelow. And I think it was Stephen Bassett or Jim Semivan that said, I'm pretty sure Robert Bigelow is behind most of this right now because he didn't go from NIDS in the 90s to just disappearing off the face of the earth, right? Other movements have come forward. But again, there's no fallout with the government. They're still on good terms. So why would their activity stop? So I think maybe... You know, it might be a little bit uh, cloudy as far as all the information coming out. But for the first time in decades, there's how many shows on TV? I mean, I subscribe to every science and nerd channel you can get. And there's four or five different UFO series and probably a dozen ones that aren't running anymore. I mean, even going back to ones like uh, Hangar One and things like that, they're 10 years old now. So I think if anything, if it seems confusing, again, they weren't going to turn the taps on overnight. So it's a it's a slow drip and thankfully it's happening. And again, if it wasn't supposed to be, it would be blocked. The government would censor it. They would not make it easy to produce these programs. And instead, they're coming out in abundance. So I think there'll never be disclosure with a capital D. The government will just jump on board once everybody accepts it and they'll say, oh, yeah, we're just as surprised as you are. Because how do you admit you've been lying for 70 years and still save face? Well, and that's so, but exactly I think it's a positive. It. It's positive moving forward. That That's exactly it. 70 years of BS. I mean, new ufology began in 2004. How many people have we heard, big name people, saying, we don't need to go back to Roswell? Why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. That's one of the questions that we need to ask. You know, what what's the feeling? That is there something you're hiding? Tell us. You know, Lou Elizondo stated on the, UA, on, uh, the UFO Garage podcast with good friends Ben and Joe, he stated, when asked about Roswell, what do you need a triaxle heavy-duty hauling trailer for for a weather balloon? What do you need a platoon of Army men or Army soldiers to cordon off an area for a weather balloon? He's like, you don't. You don't. But this is a subject, gentlemen, and Lou, we'll start with you, that whether the media or the public or the general public at large hops on this subject is irrelevant. This is a subject that will affect 7.5 billion people on this planet. Whether you're living in the the jungles of Africa, 
whether you're in the jungles of Southeast Asia, like Thailand or, or Vietnam or Laos, or whether you're in the jungles of Brazil or the jungles of North America or the steel jungles of all the major cities around Europe and the world, every person on this planet, young and old, is going to be affected by this by this subject. I think we could agree on that. Yet we only seem to have a handful of people controlling this entire narrative. What scares yeah. you, Lou, about that narrative? I'm not actually scared. I think it's going to come out through the public sector. I don't think it's going to come out from the government. Again, that disclosure with a capital D, I don't think it's ever going to happen. Uh, you know, we interviewed Caroline Corey, who made that Tear in the Sky movie. And they gave themselves three or four days. And they went out to Catalina Island. And on day two, they start capturing raining Tic Tacs. So I think it's not so, you know, it's not difficult now. I think that there's that people are engineering new equipment. And we had Dave Mason, one of the uh, cast members from that movie on as well. And he's like a genius. And he's turning optical gear into waveforms to detect the difference between a plane or a UFO as far as light goes. So the money's being spent on this now. People aren't afraid to use their brain to figure that out. And I don't think it's going to come from the government. It's just going to be more, um, you know, more from the uh, private sector. So I'm not worried that it's going to get slanted. I think it's coming out regardless. I think the government's trying to lessen the blow and again, try to re- save face from keeping this quiet for so many years. Jason, your thoughts. I, I don't like the, you know, the idea that it's just a small group that controls all the information. I think there's, you know, private industry as well uh, that, that that knows something is going on. Like they're getting leaked some technology that's obviously not from here or very much more advanced than what we're t- technically capable of right now. Um, I'm more afraid of how people are going to react to something coming out like that. Like I think seeping the information into the public is the best way to do it because then they get used to it from, you know, the early stages on. So you're able to ease the public into the information. Whereas if they just came out and said, you know what, we're dealing with extraterrestrial, extratempestrial, ultra terrestrial. We're looking for interdimensional beings, conscious beings. Like we're dealing with a whole lot. Like, it's the whole gang that we're dealing with. It's not just extraterrestrial. I think we could handle that if it was one species visiting us. What you're saying is probably multiple species visiting us. Then you add all the others that I mentioned there previously. Uh, it gets out of control. And I think that's what I fear the most is that this subject is so, I wouldn't say messy, but it's so heavy that it's going to be hard to reveal that to the general population and to explain to them what's going on saying, Hey, we don't have any control over this. Uh, It's sort of each person on their own at this point until we solve what's going on or try to figure out what's going on. But, and then there's Bigfoot. Then you got to bring in Bigfoot. Oh, you leave every time you leave Bigfoot to me right now. That (laughs) hairy bastard just will not show up for me. Not show up. Left me one footprint this year. And nothing else, jerk. In typical Bigfoot fashion. <laughs> yeah, isn't that true? Isn't that true? But Jason, you say something. You said something very, very interesting uh, there. You know, is the public ready? A lot of people who, you know, I watch my chat room each and every night, and they say, "Hey, we're ready." The public is more ready than you know. 
However, in in my discussions with Lou Elizondo earlier this year, you know, I asked him point blank. I said, "Was you know?" And I and I hate to bring up COVID because I we don't talk COVID on this show, but the way people were treating each other through mm-hmm. the pan the 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 heaviest parts of the pandemic, I think that scared a lot of these government officials because of the panic and the fear that the mainstream media put into people on it, that that government politicians and, and, and medical officials put on people. And I think that when, when you went to the, the supermarket and, you know, you see somebody walking out with 20 gallons of milk and, <laughs> and $700 worth of, worth of beef and 300 bucks worth of cheese and, you know, 200 bucks worth of bread and, you know, you know, 15 cans of Metamucil and, you know, 300 <laughs> and 300 rolls of toilet paper that, that really opened up the eyes to what could happen if something, and I'm not saying, I'm not downplaying, you know, what happened. Okay. I, I my opinion means nothing on this, but compared to if, if I were to take COVID and then compare that to aliens arriving on earth, wherever they're from. I think the aliens trumps, not Donald Trump, but trumps the aliens, or pardon me, COVID, at least 100 to 1. At least. Absolutely. And, and But yeah. if this is the way the public is going to react to something small like COVID, what are they going to do when crap really hits the fan and extraterrestrials arrive? And that's something that I think everybody's got to pay attention to. They say you should never discuss religion and politics with your friends or family. And the whole topic of ufology has spiritual ramifications and political ones as well, especially if there has been a cover-up or a withholding of information. So it's a very fine line. Everybody struggles you know, with their own opinions on those topics. So we're trying to find unity in areas we already don't have unity. So I think it's a noble pursuit, but I don't think it's going to happen easily. I don't think we'll be well unified. And uh, again, that's so. why, you know, the governments and the heads of state and religion are worried about what potentially people that are, you know, they've had blinders on for years. They did a brilliant job. Now you want to tell these people to think for yourself. Who knows how that's going to go? Hey, man, right now we're more worried about electric cars and batteries that can't be recycled saying it's good for the environment. People are confused. Don't get me started on that. There, there is no eco-friendly car, no matter what. There's more pollution made mining the lithium than if that baby burned gas its whole life. It'd be doing the planet a bigger favor burning fossil fuels than being electric. Oh, That's yeah. a whole other podcast. Oh, that's a whole other correct podcast right there. Yeah. that's a- The Flintstone car is the only you yeah. know good car that you can get for the environment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? As a number of my friends who work in the car business up where I live, okay, we laugh at the electric at the electric vehicles because when that battery gets to 30, 40 below zero, it's not charging. It's not charging yeah. at all. Because most people- Here's the thing I'm I'm scared about. Now, if you're a sixteen year old kid and you need a car to go to work, you can go spend fifteen hundred bucks and buy a Honda Civic and get probably three more years of use out of it. An electric car will depreciate to the point of what a replacement battery costs, and then it'll be worth zero. So it'll be worth 15 grand, but a new battery is now 16. 
the car will be useless because nobody's going to spend more on the battery than the car is worth. Yep. So there will not be any beater that is an operating car that you can buy for a reasonable price. Not everybody has the, the, the value. And right now, replacement batteries, even used, are eight or 9,000. And the wreckers don't even know if they can be reprogrammed to work with a new car. It's buyer beware. So, you know, I think it's the, the removal of the cars, $5,000 and less. That's the real problem. Because that's what most people are driving when you look on the roads. You got that right. Whole different podcast there that us three yeah. could sit down and have oh, a yeah. conversation. We should do that podcast. I think we could we could tackle it correctly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I want to get into that so bad right now. <laughs> I do. I want to get into it so bad. Yeah. But nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, guys, you, you know, decisions for 7.5 billion people are being made. There, there is truth that is being withheld. And it's not just the United States. It's Canada. It's the United Kingdom. It's Russia. It's China. It's Japan. It's everywhere around the world. How are the governments ever going to walk into the UN and come together on this subject? Is that one of these impossible questions, Jason? I think so. I think the, the, the main issue would be that, you know, the threat narrative keeps being pushed. I think some countries would pull together. I think this the five eyes, uh, the countries, um, you know, if they pull together their resources, that's one thing. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, um, I think the threat narrative is the only way to get the whole world going on the same pace with this subject. Uh, you know, even I was talking about the United Nations and uh, I think it was Reagan in the eighties that mentioned it. You had it, I think at the beginning of your video as well. Um, where if, if we had an uh, extraterrestrial threat that, you know, threaten all of humanity, we would put all our differences aside and pull together and, and try to fight it as one. I don't think so. Um, I've just seen t- too much in this 41 years to know that everybody's like, nope, each one's for themselves, like solve this on your own or uh, deal with wars on your own. And the problem with, you know, the United Nations, not to get political, but everybody's in bed with each other. So it's useless. I mean, they're never going to be able to make any decision because there's ramifications for everything that they do. Every decision that they make will affect the deal somewhere else down the line. Um, But when it comes down to this issue, the only way to get them on board is to give the threat narrative and that somehow it's a global threat, not just, uh, you know, a, a country's, sovereignty at uh you know jeopardy here it's everybody so i don't know i think it's your question i don't know sorry it's a throwback to the movies right every alien movie they try to invade we kick their butts we're the heroes so it's almost like if they knew this stuff was coming and it's out of their hands you know they they want you to be on their side you know i think it was uh, um, uh stephen greer that said it was the crown prince of Liechtenstein that said People need to be willing to exchange blood and treasure for, you know, the truth, whatever that truth they believe to be the truth. So it's a bit of an indoctrination that, hey, if they do take over, don't forget, like we beat them in the movies. Whose side are you going to be on? Right. It's almost like damage control before this thing blows through, which they know it's it's going to. Hey there, I'm David Novak. I ran Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. And like you, I'm always learning so I can be the best leader I can be. That's why I started How Leaders Lead, the first leader-to-leader podcast with CEOs from Target, Pepsi, and Adobe, and greats like Tom Brady, Jim Nance, and Jack Nicklaus. 
You'll learn how to win, how to bounce back, and how to lead. So listen to How Leaders Lead wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the best podcast on leadership you'll ever listen to. When was the last time you totally logged off and took all of your vacation days? Well, Michelob Ultra Pure Gold can help with a little PTO. That's paid time outdoors. Pure Gold has a PTO experience that will help you get away from every ping. Go to MichelobUltra.com slash PTO to request your PTO for a chance to win a trip for four to an amazing remote destination. Enjoy responsibly. No purchase necessary. Open to U.S. residents 21 plus void were prohibited. Enter by 10-14-22. For official rules, visit MichelobUltra.com slash contest dash rules. It happen. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's almost like wanting the Canucks to actually go far in the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup. There are certain things that just can't happen. That's one of them, <laughs> you know, never mind the dirty, no good, stinking Toronto Maple Leafs, you know. Let's go, Leafs, go, baby. Go. You know what? That's a real fan. When your team hasn't won for decades and you're still a fan, that you're not a, wa- a bandwagon jumper. you got to be committed to go off nothing for 50 years. Zdeno Chara was the last player in the NHL to play against the Leafs in a losing playoff series. There is, what, uh, 20 players, 600 NHL players, and all of them have never lost to the Leafs in the playoffs, a series. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Louie, let me ask you, you this, though. Let me ask you this, though, because we're going to go into our top five here. Let's go to our top five. Get your pipe, and Jay. Now, Where's your little here is the top five questions <laughs> for our guest tonight. <laughs> All right, top five here. Starting with Louie here, who's, you know, <laughs> a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. If you're, yeah, yeah. Louie, let's be honest. How dusty is your lawn chair on Young Street in Toronto? Because that parade... I don't live in Toronto anymore. I moved to the West Coast. I got sick of the concrete jungle, but. No, no. It's you, a great it's a great town. Guaranteed you still have a lawn chair on Young Street waiting for the parade to happen. How dusty is it? Yeah, I don't uh I didn't move half my stuff out here because the price of the weight to ship it, I could have bought it brand new here for the same money. He's dodging that question, Jason. <laughs> Jason asked Hey, you. listen, I'm, the only thing I would say I would hang out for parade wise was for soccer. I'm Portuguese by heritage, so when it's World Cup time, we're on College Street cheering for the team. Well, let me just tell you this then. You and I are not going to get along very well, man, because if sport was religion, soccer's the Antichrist. The Antichrist. <laughs> That's the reason why. If we... you ever wanted to be more more polarized, get into soccer. Oh. That's the real ufology. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Crazy que- fans. Yeah. Question number yeah. two, Jason, this one's for you. Outside of UFOs, what other interests do you have in the fringe phenomena? Well, I'm starting to get into cryptids now. That's a, a thing that I wasn't into before, but I think the more that we're talking to people, the more that we're listening to them and their advice and the stories, the more we have to look into cryptids. And so that's one thing that I'm looking at. And Bigfoot is another one. Uh, thanks to your show, actually. Uh, I keep watching your Bigfoot specials. And uh, I'm starting to think, okay, maybe there's something to this, uh, but it's all involved in the cryptids, obviously. And um, yeah, I'm 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 getting involved now. Louis, question three: What's the best piece of advice anyone in this field has given you? 
I'm going to go back to the Jacques Vallée suspend judgment. And I think that's advice to everybody in Twitter land. You know, if, if you're scrolling by something that you don't like or disagree with, just keep going. You know, put your, your brain and your efforts into something valuable. Cheer for the team that you like. Don't bash the team you don't like. And I think, again, it's going to come from the public sector. It's not going to come from the government. So we are the body. And, you know, even if I get into my science mind and anthropology, I think everybody on the planet's no more than like 38 cousins from each other. So we really are connected. And I think we really can evolve from this. I think the study of ufology will help us become enlightened. And people that wouldn't have had another catalyst for that, it's going to get them to think deep thoughts and to really you know, contemplate deep um, ideas. And I think we'll grow just as the study itself will have a beneficial cause. All right, question four in the top five. Jason, let's get to you on this one. You know, outside of where you are, which is a hot spot for UFOs in British Columbia, the entire lower mainland is, where would you like to investigate? Where, what would be your dream to go and just make it happen? Like if I could go anywhere in the world or just yes, in my area? Anywhere in the world. Where are you going? You know, I, I've, I again, like New Mexico, um, it would be a place that I've always wanted to go check out. Uh, it, the Phoenix lights in Arizona, you know, just that those, the dusty desert areas of the United States, I have a good interest in. I would love to just hang out in the desert and just, you know, watch the stars and, even if you don't see anything, you know what I mean? You've had a great night, you know, can't complain. So I, I keep seeing that on TV and I keep wanting to do that myself. So perfect. That's what I would do. Question five for both of you. Where do you see UAP studies podcast going through the next 12 months? Well, for me, I, I just started as a hobby as well as Jason. And we just wanted to put out good content. And because that was our mission, it blew up. And now we're facing other challenges. Like we're still not monetized. We're not running ads or, you know, sponsoring hats or, you know, the SPCA in our show. But again, if it's, it's a full-time job for both of us and we have full-time jobs. Mm. So that, and plus our families. So there may come a point where we have to look seriously at doing this full-time, which I think would be amazing. Be a lot of fun. Jason Gilmatt, Louis Borges, UAP Studies Podcast. They need 24 for 1,000 on you on YouTube. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Coming up next, Hour 3, kicking it off with Swamp Dweller and Super Duke's Cryptid Report. Great show, boys. That Great was show. awesome. Thanks, Dave. Fantastic. Really fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's... Um, Let's get to uh, uh, set up a conference call. Like I said, in a couple weeks, I want to come down and uh, see my parents. So uh, we'll make sure that uh, we have time to meet up. And, you know, it doesn't have to be for dinner, but even for for lunch or something like that, you know, I'll work around your schedule because my daughter's in Chilliwack too. So I'm going to spend some time with her. So uh, that would be cool if we could. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, we're, we're, we're overdue at this point, right, Dave? Oh yeah. <laughs> you got to get together. Hugely. Hugely. Yeah. Gentlemen, I have an hour three to prepare for. We'll let you guys go. Thank you for a great show, guys. We're definitely going to do this again. And uh, you guys be ready for uh, possibly coming back on after hours or not after hours. Pardon me. Uh, the round table, maybe next weekend, next Friday, if you guys are available. Sure. Let's sure. Do it. All right. Talk to you later, guys. Awesome, Dave.
See you. See you later, Take Dave. care, Dave. See you. See you, Jake. All right. Louie and Jason from UAP Studies. Oob, Joe's domain. You've got Lubla. I'll be right back. Yes, I take notes during the show.
I am back. Good times. Super Duke is in. Hey, look who it is. It's old Mickle Pickletoes. And we got Big Bad Simon from Australia as well. <coughs> that was a great show. Great show. I love those guys. Howdy, noob. How you doing over on Twitch? You should come join us on YouTube, man. More people. Because the YouTube fans can't see you. Hey, Nicole Sackage is still awake. Look at that. What am I pissing you off for, Evan? What did I do this time? Earl the Grey, how you doing, man? Thank you for joining us. Super Ron 13, how you doing? All right, thank you to Cat, Thomas, Pam, and Symbol for the super chats tonight. Very much appreciate your support of this lovely show. Get your swag at spacedoutradio.com. Here we go. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Here we go with the third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for tuning us on in wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Flounce. Flounce is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again for us to head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller comes in with another spooky story. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. I have a story for you that only my mother and I know about. It was too frightening for me, and I don't openly discuss it. We have never solved it either. It's unexplained to this day. In this summer of my junior year in college, I returned to my mother's house to stay with her. I did that every single summer. My college was about an hour away from her house, so it's not like we were too far, but far enough that we didn't get to see each other on a daily basis. My mom lived with my grandparents in a quiet middle-class neighborhood. The house was older, and there were several acres behind it. There were neighbors to each side, but mostly everyone on the street was elderly, and you rarely saw anyone except when they got their mail. I had practically grown up in that house and knew all of the neighbors fairly well. 
I always felt safe. One night, early into July, I was walking past the sliding door that opened to the side of the backyard. There were vertical blinds that reached the floor, but there were spaces about an inch wide in between the panels. I stopped and looked through the cracks into the darkness. I had this horrible feeling that I was being watched, but I've never liked being in the dark, so I figured it was my mind playing tricks on me. Sure enough, the next day we would experience a break-in. No one was home, but the front door was somehow manipulated and opened. The hinges holding the door were damaged, which is how they got in. Only my backpack and laptop were taken. Luckily, I had my wallet with me that day. My mother and I went shopping while my grandparents were at one of their many doctor appointments. My grandparents got home first, not noticing the damage but saw the door open. They simply thought we had forgotten to shut it. It wasn't until they went into the bedroom and noticed that one of the safes had been moved. It looked like someone had tried to open it or drop it on the ground. It was a very heavy safe, but small. The safe was tucked away in the closet, buried behind clothes, so there was no way anyone could have known it was there. But apparently, someone did. It wasn't opened and everything was still inside. The police didn't have any leads and treated my grandparents poorly because they had touched everything. The police also asked if I had any enemies or knew anyone who would want to hurt me. At the time, I, I truly didn't, but only my things had been taken. The following nights, I felt so vulnerable. I slept with my purse and other valuables with me under the covers. About a week later, my feelings of anxiety would get worse. I was continuing my routine of sleeping with my stuff. One night, I woke up suddenly, but wasn't really sure why. As I laid there, I started hearing scratching outside the window. It was slow scratching, but I could hear it, just barely. I couldn't help but feel like I was being watched. I was too scared to move, so I called out to my mom. She came in and used a flashlight but couldn't see anything outside. She knew I had been having anxiety and told me it was just my imagination because of the break-in. I wasn't so sure though, but I wanted to agree with her, so I tried my best to. The next night I woke up to the same sounds again. They seemed louder this time and more forceful. I tried to not wake my mom, but I could feel my chest tightening, and it was hard to breathe. I called out for her, but the scratching stopped. She came in and again she saw nothing. The third night I woke up again to the sound. This time my chest felt like I was being sat on. I could barely breathe and the pain in my chest was unbearable. I again woke up my mom and the scratching ceased. She saw nothing. At this point, my mom was likely so annoyed that she probably wouldn't have come in the next night. In the morning, I got up and sauntered behind the house. I didn't see anything on the ground. I looked up at my window and saw different cuts or scratches on the screen of my window. All over the screen, it looked like it had been destroyed. There were marks on the glass itself as well. My mom would remove the screen, saying it was likely an animal or just old. But my grandparents had replaced all the windows only a few years before. I decided to stay at my friend's house for the rest of the summer. I couldn't stand sleeping in that room any longer. As soon as I moved back out of the house, I did not experience the pain in my chest anymore either. I don't believe it was an animal, but I often wonder if it was the same person who broke into the house a few days earlier, or something more paranormal. Honestly, I don't know if I want to know. Even thinking back on the experience, I still feel uncomfortable and worried. It still freaks me out. I'm curious to know what others think. Well, that's where we get to the Swamp Dweller telling us another spooky story here as he does each and every Monday through Friday night here on Spaced Out Radio. 
We love the Swamp Dweller. What you need to do is go over to his YouTube channel, Swamp Dweller Reads. That's youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads. And you can literally listen to thousands of shows for free. All right. It is time once again to raise our glasses to the man, the myth, and the cryptid legend, Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio, returns for the Cryptid Report. you say there super duke how you doing buddy oh i tell you what i'm pretty tired uh it's been a really really long day and i got a couple more of them coming up here one right after the other so um super excited for it to be over with so i can go back to a normal speed of life but i have uh my roommate moved out and i have to get another one by the end of the month so i have all kinds of people calling and pestering me about that and i've got to clean up the apartment so i can show it to them and meanwhile i'm making a, a new recording studio set up so i've got that going on and there's all kinds of cryptid weirdness going on right now too that i can't i am not at liberty to talk directly about but uh, one thing that I can talk about is that somebody finally got a really good face-on shot of a gugwe. No. And part of the problem with IDing these things is that you very rarely get a picture of one of them. And usually they're under a bush and it's blurry or something like that. You've got the beast of LBL and like three or four, um, you know, other things that probably were them that you don't even have a picture of. The Beast of Seven shoots, we've got a good picture of that. Clearly it's a gugly, but it's not from the front. The guy's up above it looking down on it. So, you know, you can tell what it is, but again, you don't get a really good look at it. Well, somebody down in the south got a really good look at one, and lucky for them they didn't get eaten. But it was looking right at them from in the bushes, and they got a good picture of it. So we finally got something to work with for comparisons here and try and figure out what this thing is exactly. And I'm about 95% sure that I've got it nailed. So that will be coming out here shortly. But even more exciting to me than that is... Welcome, my ugly duckling, to your emergency makeover. Blue eyeshadow all over. Mermaid. Or green lips. Front core vibes. Now... Go find your princess. Download Discovery. With Wish. Are we on? Welcome, my little ugly duckling, to your emergency makeover. Blue eyeshadow all over. Thirsty mermaid. Or lime green lips. We call this frog core. Now, go find your princess. Download Discovery. With wish. As, uh, as it says on the, the screen there, Glag Saga host, I get to host another episode of the Glag Saga. Glag Saga Apocrypha is coming out this Sunday. And for all the hundreds of thousands of fans of the Glag Saga, I'm sure they will be very happy to see that there's yet more content coming out. It includes uh, rarely seen or never before seen pictures of Bigfoot and field research video. And I've also got D Sims on there, Lady in the Woods. And uh, she's going to be sharing some of her stuff and talking about the several times that she was out in the field with Kevin. He was at her place once when she was doing one of her live streams. 
And uh, she was over at his place about three times, and there was a lot of really neat stuff that happened there. And interestingly, during the course of this whole thing being set up and me talking to her yesterday and seeing how she was doing since she just had a heart attack a few days ago, uh, she's talking to me on the phone. She's standing out in her backyard, and she's like, wait, I think I heard something over there. Hold on a second, Duke. And then she comes back again. She goes, I just snapped a picture. I'll check it later. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. And we sat up the rest of the time to do an interview today. So earlier today, she goes, you remember when I said I had to take a picture because I heard something snap a twig in the backyard? Well, yeah, there's a Bigfoot right out in the open looking at her. You could see his face and everything. And she just snapped the picture and didn't even realize she got it while she's talking to me on the phone to set up the interview that we did today. So even yet more fun coming up this Sunday. So that's what's been going on with me. I need to know something. I really do. Before we get into any more cryptid stuff, and we got about 12 minutes here. What are the prerequisites to being Super Duke's roommate? Is it mandatory that you have to wear a cape 24-7? No. No, it's pretty simple. You just got to be a decent human being and not be too irritating and don't go hanging around with gugwees and stuff like that. Pretty much, you know, just basic standard stuff. I just, I thought you'd, <laughs> there would be more to that. I really did. You know, like maybe no, yeah, I'm just too, I'm just too tired to think of it. Maybe, I'm really easy to get along with. Maybe basically. no Joni Mitchell or something like that. Yeah. I just don't want anybody that's like super party maniac or, you know, it has tons and tons and tons of people coming through here all the time because just don't even have space for that. But Right. Yeah, most of the roommates that usually generally want to live here are people that are, like, working 24-7 or they're gone for most of the week or something like that. They just want a place to sleep on the weekend, and then they're gone again for another week. So we kind of usually have absentee roommates anyway. <laughs> that works out pretty good. All right, buddy. What story do you got for us tonight on the Cryptid Report? Well, continuing on with the thematic content of my last update, we were talking about how governments don't commonly uh, acknowledge that such things exist. And I brought up the fact that there's actually been reports out of the military in Russia and that there was that uh, thing in the Sasquatch in Washington State that they had released in their report in that area Um so officially the U.S. military and specifically the Army has admitted their existence. Now, the other thing that comes up, a lot of people always are going, well, how come they're not being seen more? And the fact of the matter is around some of these military bases, especially the ones that are on these big wooded areas, there's stuff happening all the time, but there's military there, and they're not officially talking about it. When they swear you to silence, you don't talk about it. So even though there's tons of this stuff, it rarely comes out. And a lot of it is, you know, quite a bit after the fact when somebody's actually finally out of the military um, is when this stuff starts coming out. So here would, here's an example from uh, Bobby Short's book, The De Facto Sasquatch. She has pages and pages and pages of reports from Fort Lewis Army Base, Pierce County, Washington. Here's an example. I'm an active duty Army soldier with over 21 years of service. I've been stationed at Fort Lewis Army Base, Washington on two occasions, 87 through 91 and 2000 through 2002. 
I was an infantryman, so a lot of my time was spent in the field with my unit. During my first assignment, we heard rumors every once in a while about weird things happening in the field. Mainly strange howls and noises in the brush, but nobody really paid it any mind. On my second assignment, there were quite a few incidents that I experienced firsthand that made me a believer. The first happened just shortly after I arrived in the early summer of 2000. My platoon was practicing day and night land navigation in preparation for the expert infantryman's badge test. I was a staff sergeant at the time, and I was one of the graders. We had done the daytime course, had chow, and then proceeded with the night course. Of course, uh, the course is an individual test, and we sent out about 10 soldiers at a time on their own. At night, the soldier has to find four points using only a compass azimuth and a pace count for distance. Each leg is 500 to 1,000 meters. The soldiers have three hours to complete the course and return to the start point. After three and a half hours, everyone was back, except one. We figured he was lost, so we blew whistles to guide him in. After a while, we went out in two Humvees to check the roads that border the course. Instructions are, if you get hopelessly lost and come to a road, stay there until you're found. There's also a panic azimuth for the compass that will take you to a road. We drove around for about an hour and did not find him. We called back to our battalion headquarters to report we had a missing soldier and got instructions to keep searching. We sent out the entire group of flashlights to search the course. I stayed in the vehicle searching the roads. Another hour went by. I got a call over the radio from the other search vehicle that they had found him, and they were heading back to the start point, and he needed to see a medic. The soldier was distraught but coherent, sweating like he had been running for miles and had a lump under one eye and scratches all over his face. His weapon, an M16A2 rifle and Kevlar helmet, were missing. At first, he claimed he was startled by what he thought may have been a bear that went crashing through the woods near him and was growling. In a panic, he took off running and smacked it face first into a tree. At that moment, the, quote, bear moved in his direction. He had lost his helmet and weapon in the dark when he hit the tree, so he took off again without it. He said he could hear the animal breathing heavy and making growling sounds as it moved. As he was running, he could hear the thing breaking the brush behind him, but it would slow and stop when he did. This went on for a long distance, and he was totally disoriented in the dark and had no idea where he was going. Finally, he found a road. We still had to find his weapon, so everyone on site had to stay in the woods until it was found. We searched by flashlight all night, but it was not found until the next morning. There was not much concern from higher about the incident except for the missing weapon. Once it was found, it was a closed issue. From then on, the soldiers had to have a dummy cord connected to their weapon to their bodies because the soldier was in my platoon. I had a lot of interaction with him after that. Infantrymen became very close because of all the long hours spent together. A few weeks later, talk of the incident spread within the confines of the platoon. The soldier revealed more of what had happened that night to a few of his closest buddies. I talked to him about it. And what I heard made my skin crawl. First of all, he admitted that it was not a bear that he had encountered. He knew all along it had to be Bigfoot. The first contact of the creature started with brush breaking to his front, and he could make out a large, tall shape standing up on two legs and swinging its arms as it moved to his right. He was so panicked that he turned around and took off at a sprint, and that's when he smacked into the tree. He said he was so scared he couldn't even breathe. The rest is the same as his original account, except instead of just growling, there were several whooping sounds and whistling sounds. 
I told him I believed him, and I think most everyone else close to him did as well. He seemed to be more embarrassed about it than anything. It did not want an issue made of the real story. He didn't want to be made out as a fool. Around November 2000, I heard about another incident on a field training exercise. Two soldiers from the company's scout platoon claimed to have had apples thrown at them during the night while they were occupying the observation post. They also heard strange noises and were reporting all this over the radio net through the night. Nobody paid much attention to any of it. I talked to one of them later, and he said they both had uh, the bleep scared out of them that night. It had to be an animal of some kind by the noises it was making. No other units were in the immediate area. So the question is, what kind of animal throws apples? During the summer of 2001, a series of events impressed myself and a few of my fellow soldiers. Myself and another sergeant checked out a seldom-used fishing spot called Flander Lake. It's a small, secluded lake in the South Rainier Ranger Training Area, about 35 miles from the main post on the southeastern end of Port Lewis. The lake turned out to be full of bass, so we took out the small boat and fished there as often as we could. I went on leave. When I got back, my buddy had a story. He went out there alone one late afternoon to do some bass fishing in his small boat. It was almost sunset when he began hearing strange hollering sounds coming from the woods beyond the shoreline. Whatever it was, it was moving because the sounds would change locations. There were short bursts, then silence, and then it would start again. He got back to the shore, loaded up his boat, and headed out there down the trail in his truck. After work that day, we drove down there to check out the area. We got down the trail to the lake by the truck, and then we skirted around the lake on foot just looking around. I went up on this wooded hillside along the lake and found some very peculiar things that are supposedly signs of Bigfoot. And here's what he found. Excuse me. Trouble with my computer here. Tree limbs that I could barely reach were snapped and bent down. Small saplings broken and bent over. I find it hard to believe that an ordinary person has the strength to snap live trees like a toothpick. There were also trees pulled out of the ground like a weed, which definitely could not be done by a person. A few hundred years down, yards down, we stumbled on the strangest of all, a huge pile of manure. It stunk, of course. But curiosity got the best of us, and we dug through it with a stick. There were small, undigested green pine cones in it. It was the kind of baby green pine cones that a pine tree sprouts before they dry up. There was hair like in a, uh, something you'd find in a cat, and also it looked like mashed berries and fibers. We started looking around the ground for any sign of footprints. The ground was covered in moss and was soft in a few areas, but we found no definitive tracks. But we did find some very convincing imprints on the soft moss. On one of them, a heel could be made out as well as the ball of a foot. Now, I wear a size 10, and it was much larger than my foot, by at least another 6 inches long and 3 inches wider on each side than my foot. We brought some other guys down there the next day to see what we found. We talked to an older civilian guy who works in the Outdoor Recreation Center on North Fort Lewis. We get tackle and bait there. Without telling him anything in particular, we inquired about Flander Lake. He said it was good fishing. We already knew that. But it was a creepy place. I asked what he meant, and he wouldn't give any details other than it being creepy, and he hadn't been out there in over 20 years. <laughs> Wait, now keep this in mind. That was a good fishing place, and he hasn't been there in 20 years. I asked him directly about Bigfoot, and he replied saying, Some people say so, 
We continued to fish there, but never encountered anything else. Labor Day weekend, 2001, my wife and I decided to take the kids camping. I thought to myself, let's go to real Bigfoot country. My plan was the Olympic Mountains, but weather and time changed that. So we went to Lewis and Clark State Park. The park's about 5 to 10 miles east of I-5, very densely forested, close to Collitz River, about 30 miles from Mount St. Helens. I knew we were in the right place when on the backcountry road near the park, we saw a house with a tall wood carving of Bigfoot out front. We set up our tent and campsite. Shortly after dinner, the kids went to bed. My wife went with them, and I stayed around the campfire. Now, about 10.30 that night, I heard coyotes howling. They kept that up, and about a half hour later, something else entirely different began to wail in the opposite direction. The coyotes stopped, then silence. A few minutes later, the coyotes began their howls and yelps again. Then the other louder wailing sound, and again, there was silence. This went back and forth until just after midnight. It got quiet. I went to bed. And around 3.30, my wife woke me up because she was hearing something. I sat up and heard nothing at first, but about five minutes later, I heard a sound similar to before, but it was much closer than before and higher pitched. I got out of the tent, got the fire going again, and listened. I could tell whatever it was, it was on the move. Not that close, maybe a few hundred yards. After a while, it stopped, and I went back to bed. The next day, I asked around, and nobody seems to have had any idea what it was or have heard it before. Oh, Super Duke. That's bone chilling right there from World Bigfoot Radio. Super Duke Sullivan hanging out with us with the Cryptid Report. Coming up next, we got the Dave 101, Shirky Poos News. Final half hour of Spaced Out Radio coming up. That was good, Super Duke. That was good. Dave, this just this goes on and on and on and on. She's got them like from consecutive years of all the reports they had had on Port Lewis each year. It just goes on for pages. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. If you've ever been around Fort Lewis, it's very forested all around. Yeah. And that's just one example. Uh, uh, of course, I'm reading from uh, Bobby Short's book, The De Facto Sasquatch, which was posted after she died. You can get it for free online. Greatly recommend it. Go pick up a copy because uh, the first half of the book is all about uh, reports from different parts of the country and Native American tribes. And the second half of the book is mostly about reports from military, which you don't get in a lot of other places. And it's not just Fort Lewis. It's other bases and stuff all over the country where she got people sending her reports and this weird stuff was happening around these military bases. Oh, freaky stuff, man. <clears throat> freaky, freaky stuff. Yeah. They don't recognize borders or fences or care who owns the property. (laughs) They're really good at getting around stuff like that, so they just don't care. (laughs) That's part of the problem where you could, even if you had good communication with them and you wanted to go, okay, you guys can have this mountain range and we'll stay over here. That'd be about as close as you could get them to understand the concept of don't come over here. Don't trespass on our property. We won't trespass on yours. They kind of don't really seem to get that very well. Nope. Nope, they don't. All right, buddy. We'll let you go for tonight. Take care, everyone. Have a great night. Don't hug the Wookiees. We'll see you on Sunday for the Glag Saga Apocrypha 3. Ooh. Uh, see you buddy see ya Bye. super duke from world bigfoot radio god i love that guy 
His hair just looks better and better each time he's on. Let's just be honest. All right, I'm going to get ready here. Where is that? There we go. All right, coming on up. By the way, the Dave 101 has a new theme song for tonight. This is the debut of it. I'm pretty excited by this one. It's all about the debut. Debuts are fun. Excuse me. All right. Uh, It is water, not moonshine, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Thank you, Jamie Johnson. No Space Force Anthem. No, much better. Much better. Mr. Gray Owl, you are on fire. much for taking the time to join us we very much appreciate earning your listening ears 
want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and now on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is that time of the week where I stand up, stand up onto my soapbox, and give my opinion, my opinion on what we call around here the Dave 101. Nicole Sackage sent me. Are we on? Welcome, my little ugly duckling, to your emergency makeover. Blue eyeshadow all over. Thirsty mermaid. Or lime green lips. We call this frog core. Now, go find your princess. Download Discovery. Let's today it is of a bio for the legendary ufo researcher jacques valet it starts off pretty normal as any bio would jacques valet founder of documentica financial in silicon valley a french american scientist with training in astrophysics and ai his research contributed to the creation of the first social network on the internet as main investigator for DARPA, co-founder of five international capital venture funds, including NASA's Red Planet Capital. His interest in the UFO phenomena and psychic research has led to a series of books and technical articles in several languages. But here's where it caught me off guard. You see, Valet is speaking at a UFO event in France coming up here, his home country. He ends his bio with this. See if you catch it. He is the architect of the Capella Knowledge Base, comma, including 260,000, yes, 260,000 UFO observation reports for the ATIP classified project revealed in 2021. 260,000 UFO observation reports for the ATIP classified project. Anybody remember a report that came out in 2021 that stated there were only 200? Yeah, 
I think it was 140, 139 could not be solved. One was a weather balloon. Guys, this is scary. Because if this figure is true and not misprinted, that means the United States government and reports from all over the world are absolutely hoaxed and we're not getting the truth. Jacques Vallée is a brilliant man. He has been on the UFO circuit well over 40 years. He is someone who is connected, someone who has become a mentor to people like Gary Nolan, who has his own resource center at Stanford University. This is something that is odd, strange, and yet exciting and exhilarating at the same time. Why? Because ATIP, we don't know much about it, outside of potentially Luis Elizondo running the program. Look, I'm not an expert on what happened with ATIP, what it's all about. I leave that to the pros, like Nicole, like Grant Cameron, like John Greenwald, even Elizondo himself, Gary Nolan, and others. We know there was a project called ATIP. We know that it was about UFO reports. But 260,000? Did anybody have that on their bingo card? The answer is likely no. What it also states to me is you see Jacques Vallée joining Galileo Project. Who else is on there? Elizondo and his crew. Where does it all tie in? So Nicole and I started thinking, and because I'm a saber rattler at times, and Nicole is all peace, love, and light, I said this. What if all of these little factions that we have been studying on since the Two of the Stars Academy aren't really their own sub-factions, but one giant faction to control the narrative of UFOs and what gets out in the public. Think about that for a second. Isn't that what the Galileo Project is doing? Look at the names. They're extremely credible. A lot of them already have UFO experience. All led by Avi Loeb, from Harvard, an astrophysicist who still believes that Oumuamua may have been a spaceship when it flew by Earth. There is a giant narrative going on behind the scenes. Some say it will lead to private meetings in San Marino over in Europe very, very soon, within a month. Some believe that this is about networking UFOs to try and capitalize on defense budgets of countries to create a worldwide UFO program. And that's how they make money. Think about this for a second. Let's say there's a group out there. Uh, Let's call them Dave's UFOs. We go around country to country, 
We talk about threat narratives. And we sign countries up and say, you know what? For a fee, we'll take care of that for you. Is that how they are trying to bring ufology together around the world? These same people, this same group of people that for 50 years, some of them, have been controlling all the knowledge of what we know regarding UFOs. Is it about crash retrievals? Is it about alien contact? Do we actually know where they're from? What happened at Roswell? We need to know. Avi Loeb, as brilliant as he is, he knows this is potentially a Nobel Prize. And it should be if the information comes out one day in the future. It really should be. But don't you get the feeling that at some point there's something more sinister going on? And it's not about you, it's not about me, it's not about the experiencers, it's not about the podcasters or journalists or YouTube hosts who are trying to find out what is going on because we have a foot in the game. No, it is definitely not about that. We need to start looking more at the players. We need to start following what they're doing. Who are they hanging out with? Who are they having conferences with? Who are they talking to? And then we can maybe, after we figure out that riddle, figure out what is the game plan. Remember the question I started two years ago? Why now? Doesn't that come into play? The bigwigs still have not answered that question. Why now? Why all of a sudden over the last five years should we care about UFOs, time travelers, aliens, extraterrestrials, ultra-terrestrials, ultra-tempestrials? Why should we care? We know for those of us who have seen it, there's stuff going on. We know that there are patterns being formed by certain things we're not allowed to talk about, Phoenix Lights. We know that today's modern ufology started in 2004 with the USS Nimitz, to which there is still some debate whether or not the Tic Tacs are ours or theirs. Because it sure as hell isn't Russia or China. I want to believe those Tic Tacs are not from here. I want to believe that we don't have anything that could go from 80,000 feet to 10 feet above sea level in, seven, in 0.78 seconds. Or 0.87 seconds, pardon me. We need to study this. We need to see if we're being played. Because there are a lot of people who have invested their entire lives on this subject and have been ridiculed, mocked, maimed, discredited for those who are pushing a narrative. You see people all the time ripping into Grant Cameron, ripping into Richard Dolan, ripping into Stanton Friedman, God bless his soul, 
tearing apart Linda Moulton Howe or Melinda Leslie or Lorian Fenton. Jim Mars, the late Jim Mars got it as well. And we see this over and over and over again. UFO boomers are being hit in the back with a steel chair left, right, and center because they never brought the facts. They never brought the news. They never brought anything as close to UFOs as we see today. And although that may be right, it doesn't mean UFO history is wrong. It just means that the current narrative, whatever that narrative is, whether it's positivity for humanity or something nefarious, doesn't happen without this current group that has aligned itself with each other. And the thing is, we don't even know who is in what group because there are so many sub-factions of that group. If you're reading along and playing along at home, I'm making sense here that we don't even know who's talking to who. It's a culture that is embedded with people from the Pentagon, people who have the word spook on their resume, people who have the words or the letters CIA or USN or NRO attached to their doctorates. Should we really be surprised Travis Taylor or Lou Elizondo works for Space Force? Should we be surprised that it ties into Skinwalker Ranch? That it ties into the media? That it ties into Elizondo? That it ties in to Jacques Vallée and other scientists like Avi Loeb or Gary Nolan? Never mind the Wilson documents, because we're not talking about those here. Everybody who has a foot in the door in this field needs to wake up and see that there is something going on. We don't know if it's nefarious. We don't know if it's bad for ufology. But what we do know is that there are games being played. The UFO boomers are being cast aside. UFO Twitter is nuts. And the rest of us are throwing our hands up in the air saying, what the hell is going on? Because right now, we don't know. We don't know if this is being controlled by an intelligence community. We don't know if this is being controlled by the former members of the To The Stars Academy. We don't know how much Robert Bigelow is still playing in this, or 85-year-old twins Hal Putoff and John Alexander. There is enough going on here that is enough for any person to feel wary about where ufology is heading. There is no clear-cut direction. There is no clear-cut path to where ufology needs to go. This is why we continually tell our beautiful audience on this show, sit back and watch what's happening. Sit back, formulate your own opinion, and if it doesn't feel right, you're probably right. Because right now, as weird as it says, ufology doesn't feel right. 
follow the instincts. And that is your Dave 101. Do me a favor, if you're on YouTube, let me know what you think. Give us a thumbs up, thumbs down. Do you agree? Do you not? Leave your comments below. I want to read them, so make sure you tune on in. Let's get to Shirky Poo's news. What time is it? It's time for Shirky Poo's news. All right, we're going to start off. Oh, where should we start off? Well, let's go here. Oh, let's go. Come on. My story didn't load. A food delivery robot became sentient and believed it was above the law. Yep, that's exactly what happened in Los Angeles when a robot crossed the yellow police tape at a suspected crime scene to get food to a customer. Film the police L.A. posted shows this robot being very suave from serve robotics. And, yeah, it contracts to Uber Eats. The video shows the robot going underneath the tape at Hollywood High School. At the time, it was thought a school shooting had taken place, but thankfully, it was declared a hoax. Our standard operation procedure is to reroute and not cross-barrier tapes, a spokesperson for Serve Robotics told the media. However, in this instance, the robot supervisor believed they were being waved through, which we are taking steps to ensure our operating procedures are followed in the future. Yep, Vice, the online magazine, reported that the delivery robot companies with both remotely piloted and autonomous robots are becoming more popular in Los Angeles these days. A Michigan State University student says she got an unwelcome topping at East Lansing Subway. Kelsey Coyne posted on TikTok claiming her sandwich had some poo in it. Poo. There's feces. We're not sure if it's human or dog. That's not chocolate. I know for sure, Coin said. The smell from it was so bad, I was gagging from remembering it. She said, I was on the paper around it. It was on the paper around it, but it was mushy. East Lansing police are investigating. The owner of the Subway restaurant says that after looking at security video, there is nothing to suggest the food had poo in it. He said it was sauce that got burnt after toasting. You know what? I bet you this lady just went for clicks. It was all about the clicks that she knew she would get hundreds of thousands if she faked that story. That's my opinion. A 66-year-old woman in Ireland is lucky to be alive today after doctors removed 50, yeah, 50 batteries from her abdomen. The woman swallowed them in an apparent act of deliberate self-harm. The woman was treated at a hospital in Dublin. And at first, doctors let the batteries pass through naturally. Five had passed, but the rest had not, requiring various surgeries. Doctors found that the woman's stomach had become distended and stretched in the area above the pubic bone. The team then cut a small hole in the stomach and removed 46 AA and AAA batteries from the organ. Yeah, doctors believe the woman set a record for most batteries ingested. Australians have taken to social media since the death of the Queen with suggestions about replacements to put on their country's currency. Yeah, and who's leading the way as he should 
the late crocodile hunter Steve Irwin. The Australian National Bank has already said that King Charles III will appear on their $5 notes, and for coins, the changes will not be made until at least 2023. And, you know, one of those TikTok things, you know, they're always coming out with those challenges. Stay away from those. They're only meant to harm you. U.S. health regulators are warning about the dangers of a new TikTok challenge that has teenagers cooking chicken with the cold metal medication NyQuil. The so-called sleepy chicken trend involves cooking chicken breasts marinated in NyQuil in a pan. NyQuil contains acetaminophen, dextromorphothen, and a bunch of other words I cannot pronounce. Even if you don't eat the chicken, inhaling the medication's vapors while cooking could cause high levels of the drugs you to enter your body. Yeah, it, that's just stupid. Let, let's not do that, okay? And finally tonight, finally, it's never too nice when somebody leaves garbage all over a public place, but at least in most cases, the trash is usually empty drink bottles or cans. But in the town of Bolton, Vermont, they're struggling with a different kind of waste. Somebody keeps dumping into Bolton's green spaces, literally. Up to writing this story, both passers-by and officials have on several occasions discovered bags of human body poo. That's twice we got poo in this news tonight for Shirky Poo's news. Yeah, and we're not talking a couple of turds here. We're talking garbage bags full. Needless to say, the town is pretty fed up with the situation. They don't know who the mystery crapper is, and now both state and local officials are upping their efforts to find the cereal dumper. Cereal dumper. That feels good. Thank you to Swamp Dweller, to Super Duke, Shirky Poo for the news. And our guests tonight from UAP Studies, Louie and Jason, hanging on out, talking some UFOs tonight. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, Spreaker, Facebook, LGAP. Space Travelers Club and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us because together, my friends. We're watching. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night. Welcome, my ugly duckling, to your emergency makeover. Blue.
Discovery. Wait. 